0: Hello and welcome to the Beyond Boundaries podcast. So happy to have you with me. I am your host, Justin Douglas. If you want to learn more about me or find the show notes for this episode, you can go to PastorJustinDouglas.com. You can interact there with feedback, comments, and questions, or you can reach out via Instagram. I'm at Pastor Justin Douglas. I am currently recording this episode right now, like this intro to the episode. Uh, the episode's already been recorded, but the intro to the episode in Bethlehem. Yes. Bethlehem, Palestine. That's where I'm at right now. And if you want to go to PastorJustinDouglas.com, you can see some of the videos that I've been shooting here. And uh, also, you can go there uh, to my Instagram to see some of the images that I'm capturing daily. I'm doing my best to post as much as I can with the internet. Uh, the Wi-Fi out here uh, is spotty most of the time. So it it hasn't made it easy for me to post videos, but I've been able to get a couple videos up. One of the videos is a tour of the Church of the Nativity. Another one um, is a tour of Ida Refugee Camp. Uh, So go to PastorJustinDouglas.com, scroll down on the blog portion and find those videos. They're they're really great. We'd love for you to check those out. Today is episode nine. Nine isn't just The episode number, it is a theme throughout this podcast episode. My good friend Annette Moran joins me and we talk about the Enneagram. Don't know what the Enneagram is? That's fine. This is a great intro into what it is and why it matters. I hope you give this episode a chance. I was once an Enneagram skeptic. It took me some time to come around to this concept, uh, but I think this is an episode that could be really helpful for all of us I know just a basic knowledge of the Enneagram has helped me grow as an individual and in my relationships. So here it is, my interview with Annette Moran on the Enneagram. All right, I'm here with Annette Moran, and we are going to talk about the Enneagram. I'm excited for this one, Annette. I'm excited to talk to you about the Enneagram. Uh, Annette is a good family friend. We uh, we hang out and go out, and Annette loves talking about the Enneagram. So no matter what you uh, have heard about Annette or what she's going to tell you, she is maybe not, she's going to tell you she's not an authority on the Enneagram, but... Uh, she talks a lot about the Enneagram, and uh, I love her passion for it and her desire to see it inform people's lives and relationships, and 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 really the freedom she's found in it, but also the freedom she desires that others might find in it. And so, this is going to be a great episode for you to learn a little more about the Enneagram. But before we dive into the Enneagram, Annette, do you want to tell people just a little bit about yourself personally, who you are, what you're about, what you do, all that?
1: Sure, I'm Annette. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I'm uh, a wife. I've been married 19 years. I have three kids who this week will be 12, 14, and 16. Oh, wow. Um,
0: Whose birthday is it this week when you say this Megan week? Megan okay. and
1: Shane's. So wow. they're going to be 14 and 16.
0: Oh, and their birthdays are the same week? Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So I have three kids. Um, I've been working in. Uh, social work slash mental health slash education for 25 years Mm. so I've done a lot of most of my career has been direct care working with people presently I work for a program called Early Head Start which is I'm basically like a parenting coach to families um, who technically fall into poverty and they have children between birth and three Mm. so my uh job is going into people's homes and having weekly visits, um, and talking about child development for the, the young ages, but also just really giving parents support, support to do one of the hardest jobs that there yeah. is. Um, and it's even somewhat a little like life coaching at times. So sure, that's the work I do, uh, then, um, or for my paycheck. And yeah, life is my life's pretty much full with my family, and um, I just recently started CrossFit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, Crazy you did. World.
1: So there's that. Um, but anyway, <laughs> yes, I I have been dubbed the Enneagram girl because of late, probably mm-hmm. over the last year. It's it's one of my favorite things for sure.
0: So when you say direct care and like parenting coaching, do you think? Um, Your connection to that has even informed, like, the importance of the Enneagram, because obviously, as you're, you know, you have a history of education, direct care with people. Um, That probably um, means a certain level of, like, emotional intelligence and, I guess, relational uh, connection that maybe some other jobs don't require, or, uh, and so... um, can, can you maybe, before we dive into what the Enneagram is, which mm-hmm. um, today, I mean, I know a little bit about the Enneagram, not as much as you, but I'll kind of play today as like a very novice, you know, um, to, to try to help maybe if, if someone's navigating this podcast, hearing about the Enneagram for the very first time, that uh, that I can ask some questions that are very basic. But before we dive into that, can you maybe share just how you came across the Enneagram and why it's important to you before we dive into what it is?
1: Sure. Sure. Uh- I have become a podcast fan, for sure. That's a good thing to be a
0: fan of, by the (laughs) way. I think you should like, rate, uh, subscribe, and review all the podcasts that you listen to. I mean, maybe this one too, but no, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) Great idea. So I started listening to podcasts um, and, of course, gravitated to certain ones as my favorite. And uh, some of them were... um, The Liturgists, Rob Bell, uh, Rachel Hollis, and all of the above started throwing out and mentioning the Enneagram. And then even The Liturgists, one of their most downloaded um, podcasts was, in fact, on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. So that's how I was exposed to it. Um, And I had already, so I'm 48 years old, around, over the last five years, Um, just who I am, my own story, my own journey. I definitely was at a place in life where, uh, for, for many different reasons that I just wanted to start to understand myself a little better and Mm -hmm. do work on myself and my inner work that I had not really done before. Mm. Um, I had not done before, truthfully. And I had started that process with therapy, which was a great experience, which I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Um, So I was, I was on that journey of just starting to try to get to know myself better, to really go deeper underneath the layers that you know we all just put on. And um, and then I was listening to these podcasts. They mentioned the enneagram. I had never. Been interested in the Myers-Briggs, in the DISC, in the Fab Five, all the other personality typing systems. Um, I actually had a response, which a lot of people say to me about the Enneagram, which is, I'm not really interested in being boxed into a type. I think people are far more complex than that, which everybody, a lot of people say when I talk about the Enneagram. Um, I felt the same way. So... I was exposed to the enneagram. It's such a interesting system. Its name alone is just kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so I heard these podcasts that I enjoyed mention it. So I bought a book, *The Road Back to You* by Ian Cron, and I uh, started reading the book and listening to podcasts. And I was very—I was immediately enthralled. Mm. And, um, we'll get to it when I talk about the Enneagram. It's interesting. Um, the Enneagram talks about nine types of personalities. So the first thing you have to do is figure out your type, which is somewhat, uh, complicated and different for everybody. For me, uh, figuring out my type actually was very easy and came quick.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So I started, um, From from the beginning of being exposed to the Enneagram, it was very personally applicable.
0: Okay, and to your work as well, uh, like like and to my work as well,
1: um, absolutely. The nature of my work uh, is definitely relational. Mm -hmm. Um, When you uh, the families I work with volunteer to have our program once a week in their home for an hour and a half, Um, but. It's our program is only as effective as the relationship is. Yeah. Um, So going into people's homes and um, being a person that is. uh, That feels pleasant to be around um, safe to be around, because when you invite someone into your home, it's very intimate. It's, it's, it's the real deal. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, certain skills I have and. Parts of who I am um, fit that. But the Enneagram and the, the thinking behind the Enneagram really has enhanced me my ability to be with families and form relationships because the Enneagram is really good at helping us learn to appreciate and understand differences. Okay. Um, so in, on one hand, I have found it has helped me have a lot more understanding and compassion for people.
0: Awesome. So if I was to just say, Hey, what's the Enneagram? <laughs> would the best way of like summarizing that, if you were to only have like a sentence would be like, it's a personality assessment typing system.
1: Yeah. Most, most people say personality typing system.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah Cause assessment yeah. assumes a test. And I know there's a variety of opinions on like whether or not, not you should take in a test right. uh, with the Enneagram. Right. Yeah. So uh, what do you think the next best place to go is? Do you think we should just drive, dive into like, um, so there's nine types?
1: There are nine types. Um, I mean, I like to describe the Enneagram a little. Yeah, let's, um, let's
0: describe the Enneagram a little and then we can go into each type. Yeah. Because I think going into each type would be good mm-hmm. so that people understand like what each type is about. Absolutely. You know, what it's revealing. But like, yeah, go into the Enneagram a little bit. Um, just about basically like, obviously the one sentence thing is it's a personality typing system, but like maybe in going into it, we can, if, if you are familiar, like even our staff has used DISC, our staff Mm -hmm. and leadership team at the bridge has used DISC, which has been super helpful Mm -hmm. to like see, okay, this person operates out of this particular personality and that's why they're thinking that way. Or that's why, um, you know, maybe they have, uh, maybe it can seem like they're a contrarian to every idea you bring to them, but really it's actually just their personality to process things from an oppositional standpoint, right? Absolutely. So like the disc can be really helpful in revealing to you um, that it's not that this person is against you, it's that this person's personality is something that, that, that desires to process things in, in a um, different way. So um, I'd love to hear as you kind of expand on the Enneagram why you also maybe think it's different than, or, or why there might be value
2: mm-hmm. in
0: knowing your number if you also know your disk assessment or you know your Myers-Briggs, why yep. why this might be a little bit unique and even different from some of the other personality uh, typing systems.
1: Okay. A couple things. Uh, the Enneagram, a lot of times, uh, it does have a strange name. Um, all that it actually means is a diagram of nine. <laughs> So mm. it's just the fact that there are nine personality types in this system and that they actually, the nine numbers are put around a circle. So it's a diagram of nine. So yeah. that's all that the Enneagram means.
0: Okay. I didn't know that. That's yeah. great. Because
1: <laughs> some people are like, is that satanic? Is it like the <laughs> Enneagram? <laughs> nope. It just means a diagram of nine. Yeah. So it's that great. simple. Um, another, the, the Enneagram is very interesting. No one knows who created the enneagram, um, when, where, or how.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> have I? I've, I've heard theories though about like it being attached to like um, I. I don't know if I want to say the Essenes, but like the in essence the the monks of the first century or second century that that it that it almost potentially can be traced back to um, and uh, Christian. Uh, the scenes being Jewish Christian, like at that time, like um, seeking to like be away from the people. Um, So uh, when I say monks, I mean like monastic type Mm -hmm. living um, that this was something that they might have used. Now I don't, I don't know if I like heard that secondhand, if that's even true, or if that's something that's been posited by other people, but yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, Enneagram experts, tr- no one can completely trace it okay, um, perfectly, but they do say around the fourth century and they okay. do believe out of monasteries. So okay. your information so is- So maybe
0: right. I was close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, close. yeah, yeah. You're
1: in the ballpark. Um, and they, a lot of people describe that the Enneagram has just been a work in progress over all these- Years, um,
0: so what it looked like in the fourth century may have been very different than what we
1: have currently. Right, the, that you. the the basis of it uh, is similar, but that it's definitely um, grown and developed. Uh, in recent time, Father Richard Rohr, in the seventies, um, he he was taught it and. He wrote a book about it and he began to teach it. And at that time, there was a bit of popularity here mm-hmm. in the West. Um, and a lot of people say that at that point, uh, as it's been a work in progress, that there was a lot more psychological components, almost like psychotherapeutic components added mm. to it. Um, so I say all that to say it has a bit of a mysterious past. Yeah. Um and that's sort of weird.
0: Which yeah, it people. might be compelling, or it might or be, it weird. be weird. <laughs>
1: yeah, because it's like, oh, Myers Brig was created here by yeah. these people, as was the DISC yeah. or whatever. But the Enneagram just has this sort of mystical, yeah. mysterious um, history.
0: It's my sense that like Myers Brig and DISC are very like corporate tools, whereas I I, I kind of sense the Enneagram is more of a spiritual tool. Is At, that fair? Like, yes. I, I don't said. know. Like um,
1: It is. Now, uh, plenty of people are using it in workplaces sure. and corporations mm-hmm. um, as they do the other systems. Uh, but by and large, most people consider the Enneagram definitely a spiritual tool. Uh, it has a lot of roots in Christianity, but plenty of people have and continue to use it outside of Christianity. Um, So it's not exclusive Mm -hmm. to being Christian, um, but it definitely has strong roots in that camp. Um,
0: Anything else we want to say before we dive into the nine types?
1: The nine types. Uh, No, I think that's, that's a good introduction. Okay. So the Enneagram... It it, it is a complex, fluid system, but it starts with nine personality types. Um, And one important thing to know about the Enneagram and these types is that um, the Enneagram explains that in childhood, most of us, or, or that all of us will gravitate to one of these nine personality types because they are what, um, feels most comfortable to us and most safe for us to sort of put on to exist in the world. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting about the Enneagram is that the personality types, um, aren't all happy rainbow. This is wonderful about myself. Um, a lot about your Enneagram type is actually um, behaviors, fears, motivations that are actually not healthy mm. and that um, need some work. <laughs> so the sure. Enneagram is, is I do like to tell people when I'm introducing them to it, that it's, it's definitely not uh, the type of system that You quickly find out your type and you're just excited to put that on the wall. Um, A lot of Enneagram teachers, including Richard Rohr, um, say that frequently when you do find your type, your response is like, no, not that. I don't want
0: to be that. (laughs) Or it's like, I don't want to come. I don't want to deal with this. Well, I don't want to deal with this, or I don't want to come to the reality of the conclusion that this is me, even though I know this is me. (laughs) Like, does that make sense? Like, like that's been, I think, a lot of what I've heard people say, and maybe even a little bit of my own conclusion. Yeah, (laughs) um,
1: definitely mine. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But I think that that's probably why it's so, I I think for a lot of people I know who have found the Enneagram very helpful, It's been most helpful in their relationships, uh, Mm -hmm. certainly and and especially their intimate relationships. Yeah. Meaning, like when you talk about fears and behaviors, so much of those just two, you know, silos—fears and Mm -hmm. um, behavior—can drive us to uh, deeper relationships when we begin to understand our fears and how they motivate us, but then also how our behaviors um, from our personality can, can operate positively or negatively. Mm -hmm. Right. Because like, um, a certain number might have, Hey, when you're, when you're in a positive place, here's what it looks like when you're in a negative place, here's what it looks like. And then you're kind of like, Oh yeah, that's so true. And I can look back and be like, okay, yeah, I was in a negative place when I did that, said that, thought that, had that argument or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, so, so I think, um, the, the numbers and learning your number can have a huge impact on how you see yourself, but also how you see yourself in relation to the relationships you have. Absolutely. Is that fair? Oh yeah. Okay.
1: That for me, that has been, um, the reason that I am so excited about the Enneagram is starting with self awareness, starting with learning, um, things about myself, facing things about myself, knowing myself on a deeper level, Um, than I had before it was it has been a really helpful tool my husband Ryan he says all the time it's a tool in your tool belt there's many great tools um Mm -hmm. in life that we can use this is one that's very helpful for self-awareness self-growth and even self-transformation if we're willing to do the hard work which in a spiritual context um the The point of the enneagram is to learn about yourself, and then to apply like practices, like contemplative practices, to grow. Um, you know, work towards health, work towards wholeness. Mm-hmm. So,
0: so Richard Rohr would be a great probably reference for some of those more contemplative practices because he runs the Center for Our Action and Contemplation, correct? And then he also does. he has his own podcast. So like, yep, I'll put a link to that in there. But like, yeah. the, Richard Rohr is a great. Follow up to that. When you think yeah. about contemplative practices, if that's something that's new to you or yeah. maybe you're coming from more of an evangelical experience and you are you haven't really been introduced to contemplative practices, yeah, that would be an opportunity to dive a little deeper into that. If you want to look into Richard Rohr, or Google Google him or, or find the link that I put up on the show notes. So, yeah. All right. So should we go one through nine?
1: Okay. Let's do it.
0: All right. So, okay. um, what is number one, uh, what's the title of number one?
1: Okay, I am reading directly from Ian Cron's book, which is called The Road Back to You. Great. Just because he says it perfectly, so no need to change that. Okay, <laughs> type one are often called the perfectionists.
0: Oh, man, you're, you're, you're reading somebody's mail
1: already. <laughs> <laughs> and his description is um, the perfectionist. Ethical, dedicated, and reliable. They are motivated by a desire to live the right way. To improve the world and to avoid fault and blame.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: There's type one.
0: So, um, great. Like, do you want to talk at all about type one? Like, um, I guess when we think about the perfectionist, how many people do you know? So, like, I, there might be people who are like, ah, oh, I'm definitely a perfectionist, mm-hmm. but like, I'm kind of a perfectionist, like being a musician, there's certain parts of me that are like, I want to get it perfect before we move on with it, but this isn't my number or at least I don't think it's my number. Um, A lot of the other descriptors don't really match and it wasn't like the thing that like connected with me. Like, yeah, that's definitely me. Like, uh, well, I'll let you know my number when we get there. But like, (laughs) um, but there is a certain element of like, as you read through these, you might see a little bit of yourself in each of them. Right. And that's okay. Oh yeah. yeah. That's not weird. Yeah.
1: Um, almost every teacher I've listened to, uh, of the Enneagram will say that they believe we all can identify with all nine types because we're humans, we're Mm. complex, we're all beautiful individuals. Mm -hmm. But the idea with the Enneagram is that we would be dominant in one type. So there's the one type that, um, that really does resonate with how we've been processing the world. I mean, some Teachers, um, definitely Ian Cron, say that these nine personality types are nine different ways of being in the world. Mm. Um, so uh, another, another teacher says um, that these are nine stories that we adopt and mm. we tell ourselves. I like that. And um, frequently, especially in childhood and in our young adult years, they are helpful. And as we're growing and learning about ourselves, um, but then there comes a point different for everybody where it's time to um, to grow and to change and to and to realize that these personality types may have kept us safe and may have been um, a way that we found our place in life, mm. but that... That in order to keep going on the journey and to get healthier, um, that we need to really look at things for what they are. Um, so with the ones, back to the ones, the the side of the ones that... Um, that's a description of the one, but I like this next explanation, which kind of goes into the unhealthy components of a one. Yeah. So for ones... Ones can feel a compulsive need to perfect the world. Mm. They're keenly aware that neither they nor anyone else can live up to their impossibly high standards. So they often experience anger in the form of smoldering resentment. <laughs> so <Ooh>. obviously...
0: <laughs> <laughs> so someone's hearing this now and being like, shut up, Annette. <laughs> no, I don't. You can
1: say shut up, Ian. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, this is part of the thing about the Enneagram that's so cool is that um, two people, three people, four people, we could have similar outward behaviors, but what internally is driving us, the fears, the needs, the motivations, that's what the Enneagram really hones in on and, and is about.
0: And that's where it makes you more empathetic because you're actually starting to see okay there's something behind why this person's acting this way Absolutely. it's not it's not a hatred toward me it's exactly. not it's not just to hurt me there's something happening yeah. that's that's causing this behavior that's deeper than me whether that's a coping mechanism they picked up as a child whether that's right. something they experienced that is being repurposed uh, that drove them to act this way
2: yeah.
0: um, now that's not an excuse for people who do things that are damaging or have behaviors that are damaging but it helps I think us understand that there's a motivation that they may not even be aware of, Mm -hmm. right? That they've adopted. And that's where, when you become aware of it, it can be very hard to be like, oh, yeah, um, I've got some things to work on, because sometimes it's hard to admit we've got things to work on. Oh, totally. Um, But when you do, (laughs) it can actually make you a lot healthier in a lot of those relationships that maybe have been stressed or just been working through conflict. Yeah, and and, and owning yeah. your slice of the pie in that conflict, which oh, totally. can be really hard to do. Um, okay, so we have totally. the perfectionist. Yes, and we hear what the perfectionist is about. Is there any? Uh, I know sometimes they tell you like popular people that are perfectionists. Do you know any other popular uh, people that I are don't perfectionists? Have, it's okay if you don't. I, have yeah, I one. don't I, have
1: those uh, off the top. Know, of No, that's that. okay.
0: <laughs> uh, do you know anybody who's a perfectionist? Do you know people? Yes. Like and and like one
1: of my closest friends. Oh, that's great.
0: So so like so like is that a is that uh did you did you know that right when you read the through the Enneagram that that was that person's personality? I'm just no, always curious actually, after you talk and to her. You him know about,
1: the same person, but i not Okay, won't that's say don't her say their name. That's fine.
0: <laughs> I don't want to say names. Um, yeah.
1: When she was trying to discover her type, she actually, and this is very common, she equally two different numbers, mm-hmm. an eight and a one. She actually took a test. There are tests, but um, I always caution people. Some people will discover their number through a test, but very many people do not. Because um, the nature of the Enneagram, it just requires a lot of honesty. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Enneagram experts just recommend people getting to know the different nine types and coming to each one honestly Maybe also using a test, but not, there are a lot of people who take a test and do not find their number. Mm -hmm. I actually did, but like my husband did not, like it took him six months to figure out his number. Mm. And this friend I'm talking about who is a one, um, she took a test and it said that she equally scored an eight and a one. So it was only through learning more about both types, um, that she was able to zone in and realize she's a one.
0: Because there's an element of like self discovery here, mm-hmm. right? Like that oh, yeah. I think that I think can actually yeah. be like it's fine to take a test. We live in a microwave culture, so like I don't want to wait six months and that yeah. I want to just go log into Google and type in an Enneagram test Absolutely. and take the test and know what I mean, number every I am dinner and then just start going. Yeah. Like that's that's the that's how you want to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's how we want to do everything.
2: Right.
0: But to actually like have to wrestle with like, mm-hmm. hmm, which one am I really like? Like, let me actually do some assessment of my own life and, like, the internal work that even is discovering, like, the number you are uh, can be a process. I know for a long time I was like, I think I could be this, but I also think I could be this, but I also think I could be this. Like, and, like, kind of, like, narrowing it down a little more and more and then, like, learning more about them, but also... Finding myself in situations where I'm like, oh, it's so my knee-jerk reaction right now to act this way. <laughs> like I'm doing everything I can to shut down acting this way. And it's usually in those high stress, high tense moments that Absolutely. you like that you then are yep. like contemplating the Enneagram somehow, <laughs> either after the fact or in the middle of it, and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm leaning this way toward this type in this moment. And it's and the truth is is like how you act in those kind of fight or flight moments. Is a picture into your default personality, mm-hmm. like, and so yeah. that can help you know, like, okay, yeah. clearly there's something here. And after you have a few of those experiences, you're like, okay, this is probably my number. Yeah. That's not to say taking a test is a bad thing. I've actually no. taken one of the tests. Um, but yeah. I'm saying, like, uh, I think there, the self discovery aspect of it can also be part of the Enneagram journey, yeah. right? Because totally. there's a there's a value in Um, doing some of the internal work required to like discover your number that way. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we finished number one. What's number two?
1: Number two. Uh, let's see. Number two are called the helper helper. And, uh, this, this description, warm, caring, and giving. They are motivated by a need to be loved and needed and to avoid a- acknowledging their own needs. Mm. <laughs> twos direct mm. all their attention and energy toward meeting the needs of others while disavowing having any of their own needs. Mm. Their secret belief that they alone know what's best for others and that they're indispensable reveals their prideful spirit.
0: <laughs> Ooh. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> a lot of times oh, when you hear man. twos talk... Um, initially, when you hear about a two and you think you may be a two, it's like I'm. This is wonderful. I care about people. I'm always thinking about other people. Oh, you're I'm so proud. I'm service <laughs> to other people. But the dark side, the yeah. um, the shadow side, sure. is the fact that often twos have a strong tendency to think they're better than other people because. Um, they care so much about others and they almost know what's better Mm. for others than maybe the other people.
0: (laughs) Huh. Wow. But I mean,
1: there's so much to the Enneagram, but um, one teacher, she was um, describing different characteristics of God that we can see in each number. Of course. Obviously the helper. Yeah. Like everyone wants a helper in their life. Someone who loves them, who cares for them, who thinks about them who goes out of their way to serve them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, yeah, twos are sweethearts. I think they're called the sweethearts of the Enneagram. Um, wow. So, you know, there's a lot of, of great, there's great qualities in every personality type, but, but the thing that twos really have to work on is learning to take care of themselves, learning to value themselves and their yeah. own needs and to face their own stuff. Um, instead of just all external, taking care of everybody else, serving everybody else. So, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, as a pastor, I would say I know a few twos who maybe know their twos or don't know their twos that sometimes are so actively serving others at the expense of themselves.
1: Oh, totally. That and is, so
0: self-care, yep. I think, is really big for mm-hmm. twos in the sense of like... It, it, Because again, if the Enneagram is also helping us build healthier relationships, the healthier relationship might be that your default is so much bent toward helping others Mm -hmm. that you sometimes have to consider uh, your health in the process. Like it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you fly with children and they're like, put your mask on before you put your kid's mask on. It's like the idea of like, can you really keep this up? Uh, because, and, and sometimes when it really gets toxic in relationships, especially like intimate relationships is when, um, there's, it's not an equal partnership, but it's one person kind of taking the brunt of everything because their default personality is to just take care of everything and to be the helper and to be the one who, who is always giving? and and that so can true. that can uh, over time, I think, lead to some resentment that, oh, yeah. that, that that will find its way out when you feel like you're the only one doing anything, yep. right?
1: Um, twos often believe they're only valuable if they are serving other people. Mm. So the eventual message that a two needs to work on, the story they need to replace is actually, I'm loved for who I am. I'm not loved because I serve you and I That's take care good. of you. But I'm loved because I'm just me. I don't have to meet everybody's needs all the time. So, yeah. That's so really good. Twos are beautiful people. But Wait, um,
0: anything else to say about twos before we go to nope. three?
1: Okay. All we right. go to three times. Threes. Threes are something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> threes are called the performer. They are success-oriented, image-conscious, and wired for productivity. They are motivated by a need to be or at least appear successful and to avoid appearing to have failed or actually have failure. Um, Threes value appearance over substance. They often abandon their true selves to protect a false, crowd-pleasing image. Threes by their, their own performance and deceive themselves into believing that they are this successful persona instead of who they really are.
0: Mm. So <laughs> Interesting.
1: Like threes make the world move. Threes
0: Give me an example. What do you mean by that? move.
1: Threes, uh, threes, threes are um well often they're uh, salespeople, but I mean they they are frequently overachievers. They're they tend to have careers that are very successful. Gotcha. Um because they are driven to be seen and to be um to have that persona of just being just hitting it out of the ballpark in every way. Hmm. So
0: this is probably so this is one of the ones that I thought I was.
1: Yeah. More We've because, them, like, right?
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Often at dinner parties, Annette is, uh, as it's I've been on the Enneagram journey, <laughs> guessing my number. Yes. Um But I've been between three and the number that I'll eventually tell you that I feel <laughs> like I am. Um We'll just keep that in suspense. <laughs> so you have to keep listening. Um, yeah. But uh I think the not wanting to fail, like, is a big, I still think that whether it's that I'm like a three wing which maybe we mm-hmm. wanna get into some of those things of like the wings or whatever however mm-hmm. that works but like oh, yeah. but yeah. like I guess um I sense that like my personality I, if I fail let's put it this way uh and I've be, I, I I would say actually what's helped me process failure more than the enneagram has been crossfit because mm-hmm failure is part of getting better. And like yeah. I always knew that, point. but I didn't have a really direct analogy for it, which mm-hmm. like in CrossFit you're going to fail any movement you learn before you figure it out. Like you're going to fail for a period of time before you figure it out. Some some movements longer yeah. than others and some workouts longer than others. And so there's going to be days where you go in and, and you're like, I'm going to kill this workout. And then you go in and it's like that workout killed me. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> totally. and I did not finish at the time I wanted to finish. And like right. you just feel like a failure. And so like – for me, like when I would ever, whenever I would feel that feeling, it would be like debilitating, mm-hmm. right? Like it would be like, oh, I can't even like, I, I can't even get through today, because like, my mind can't get away from it. And so, I know fear of failure is part of my story, whether that's something I've adopted along the way or whether that's something that just is a drive that I have. Um, yeah. But I've, I have a lot more healthy relationship to failure. To now, when I fail, to say okay. Um, what did I learn in that failure? And so yeah. that drives me to think this isn't my personality type, more from the standpoint of like as I've come to some logical ways of understanding failure, it's been easier for me to to journey through that and less debilitating and also less like connected to how I see myself mm-hmm. and more connected to how I see growth.
1: Yeah.
0: Does that make sense? I don't know if It that does makes
1: sense. make sense. Uh, now, what's the, the, the Enneagram really is – Um, very (laughs) interesting tool Uh, within each type there's ourselves unhealthy there's how we can grow um, and become more healthy Um, there's the fact that in any given day in certain areas we could be unhealthy and then healthy and then back to unhealthy so I say that to say um, a healthy three uh, actually will have done work and made progress in being more comfortable with failure. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I just, so can you explain the
0: wings for me? So like, yeah. I know some people will talk about, and I haven't really done the work to know this, so yeah. like you're literally explaining to me cause I don't know. Yeah. Um, So if you're a number, but then you also have a wing, is the wing always a number that's next to yours? It is always. So it's always a number that's directly next to yours?
1: Either, either number. Yep. So I'm a seven. So my wing would either have to be a six or an eight, Okay. which I've heard a lot of people in these, you know. Why is
0: that? Why does it have to be a number directly next to yours? Because that doesn't work for mine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the because answer because they yet. said so. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, there's a lot of co- a lot of things about the enneagram. Um, I've never heard it explained why, but every there are many teachers, gotcha. men, and everyone that the wing would be something to are are your, to. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. Now <laughs> there's there's many different things as a person gets into the enneagram. Um, for each number, there. <laughs> There, the Enneagram explains that, like, for instance, I am a seven. Generally speaking, when I am in health, I will go to the higher side of five, mm-hmm. which is not my wing, which is not beside me. But when I am not healthy, I will go to the lower side of one. So that's a whole nother part of the Enneagram, which isn't your wings.
0: Oh, what's yes. that?
1: Yes. So that's just what's called in stress and and so kind of fight or
0: flight mode when you find yourself in that place you might jump to another personality
1: yep or in more like grounded secure space so for instance for me being a seven when I'm in stress to go to the lower side of one I'll become more judgmental more perfectionistic
0: gotcha which
1: which I did say to you when I was preparing for this podcast because I was nervous. I was, yeah. I went to this lower side of one where I was like, I have to do this perfectly. I have to have everything. Yeah. I
0: have
1: to do that. So that was that's a
0: good, that, I didn't recognize that. Yeah. So that's a good analogy though, like that you're saying like, so when I get stressed, I become a perfectionist. I got to have it all together. I got to get, yeah. I got to.
1: So I yeah, say that to say that's, that is one number kind of jumping to other numbers but mm. this isn't wings
0: but more that's more being that's more happening in a situational environment whether that's the situation of the stress that it's causing or yes. okay
1: like in in RAM teaching it it's this notion of your number in stress and in security grounding centering whatever cool yeah okay so, so that might make more sense whatever definitely. the things you're thinking yeah
0: definitely because I wouldn't say I live in that place but I would definitely say I could jump to that place so that's yeah that's an interesting thing to consider because I hadn't even considered that awesome yeah should we go to four sure all right what's fours four
1: are and this is what my husband is so I'm very acquainted with
0: fours,
1: <laughs> fours are called the romantic some people oh call them that. that worked out um, well for no, i <laughs> uh But actually, the tragic romantic frequently, to tell you the truth. (laughs) To tell you the truth. So type fours, they are creative, sensitive, moody. They are motivated by a need to be understood. They often experience oversized feelings and they desire to avoid being ordinary. Um, The fours believe this is the shadow side. Fours have an internal belief that they are missing something essential with which without which they will never be complete, so fours have this feeling I've often heard fours describe that they're looking in the window and everybody's living mm. and doing life and fours are outside the window like something i something's missing in mm. me that I can't just be like everyone else interesting um And they often um, envy what they perceive to be wholeness and happiness in others because they just have this deep sense of they're missing what they just can't replace. Hmm. So, and fours also, it's not listed here, but uh, fours frequently do, the positive side of this is that they often feel like they are just very different. There, there's no one else like them that they... They're, they're unicorns. Sure. Um,
0: like the Enneagram unicorn.
1: Yes. So I
0: need to get Ryan a unicorn shirt.
1: Well, that's the big joke (laughs) at work. He's known as the unicorn. People bring him lucky charm, unicorn, lucky (laughs) charm, unicorn pop tarts, every, So often, something does his work know
0: the Enneagram? Is that are they pulling that from that, or just is that his just his persona that people um,
1: know? No, he's explained it like at Christmas. I think it started just this Christmas. He wore a unicorn, um, ugly Christmas. Oh, I
0: saw it It was fabulous. (laughs) So he wore that,
1: and people were like, you know, why the unicorn? So he explained, I'm a unicorn, I'm a four in the Enneagram. Some people, um, just totally bought into it. He's oh. a unicorn. He's unique. And yeah, it's like a nickname or something. He's kind person. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. He has multiple sides to him. He's a musician. He's an athlete. He's yeah. um, a trainer. It's kind of like, which one? Pick one. But not... So anyway, so some people at work are just like, you're just unique. Sure. But um, others have become interested in the Enneagram and learn their type and all that stuff.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So... Um, What's it like being married to a four? What are what are some of the challenges? I mean, Ryan would be okay with yeah. us talking about that, Oh, yeah, or, totally. or or being in a relationship to a four. Yeah. Maybe uh, I mean um, whether that's married or just in a relationship, friendship, yeah, parent, yeah. whatever. Like I mean, oh, you obviously know the four probably uh, more closely than any other number outside of probably your own. So like yeah, what? I do
1: try. To study
0: yeah, so like so like what regularly if someone's here and they're like uh, four kind of sounds like me, like or yeah. maybe four is my number and I already know my number. Like what. Yeah. What are some unique things there about being in a relationship or
1: Um well, and and this um I could go into uh, at another later about how the enneagrams affected me personally, definitely okay. in my marriage. But um fours are considered the most complicated number on the enneagram. Mm. Um Ian Cron, who is one of the teachers I've probably listened to the most, he is a 4. Okay. Um, so I've I've Heard many, many podcasts of fours being interviewed, and he gives insight. And then my own husband, um, who did initially, when I brought to him the Enneagram, (laughs) almost every four will be like, definitely not interested. I am so unique. I am not (laughs) going to be typed. You're not going to (laughs) box me in. There's no way I will fit that. Um, So he initially... Uh, I read the book and I sat down I'm like, let's go through every chapter. Well, when you, now that I know what I am, I want to figure out what you are. And he had to sit with um, the descriptions for a while. Uh, he took a test and he was equally a four and a three, okay. the performer, the achiever.
0: Which makes sense. Um, yeah. 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 Um,
1: on the outside, he presents a lot more like a three. Sure. Um, in certain ways. But... When he began to read about the internal life of the four, it really resonated. He knew that's what he is. So um, for me, having, you know, my closest person being a four, um, it's been really helpful to have the language of the Enneagram and uh, to understand that fours, that their feelings... um, really are a little bigger than than we all have feelings sure but they are affected and somewhat driven by their feelings uh, in a pretty large way sure so it's interesting i myself always thought i was driven by my feelings actually but what i've learned through the enneagram is i'm actually driven by my thoughts which that's a whole other story of, like, parsing out between our feelings and our thoughts.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: But I thought I was very much a feeling-driven person. But the Enneagram has helped me discover um, that... My number seven, I'm actually in the thought triad, which is a whole nother thing.
0: So we'll come back to that. Um, So, triads, we probably need to cover triads, wings a little more. And then there's something
1: even subtypes, but that's. Yeah,
0: subtypes, yeah. Which we could, we could, we could, we we might run down some of those rabbit trails. We'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll just have to do an Enneagram part two (laughs) episode or something because I mean, I think this is really interesting. I think a lot of people are. uh, Yeah. So. So, and, so, and I think also coming back to with like, and I, yeah, anything else to say about fours? Because I do want to also at some point talk about personally, like how the Enneagram has been helpful to you, which might include a little bit of you talking about a four being married to a seven and and some of the challenges that might present. Does that make sense? Like,
1: oh, it presents (laughs) plenty. Um, so Uh, The one last thing I want to say about the four before going down the five is that um, a four's greatest need, a desire is to be seen and known.
2: Mm.
1: Fours are, they they have a hardcore need for authenticity. They just Mm. um, really have a hard time with a lot of the BS that a lot of us can traffic in pretty
0: easily. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. Fours, fours they they have a core core need to be authentic so that's that's super important. Would you say it's it's
0: hard for a, a four to be like um, part of like a a corporate facade oh, goodness, where they have yeah. to like buy into like yeah. we do it this way mm-hmm. because this is what the man says or like I'm not mm-hmm. trying to I'm not trying yeah. to like set up a straw man situation. I'm just saying yeah. like the idea of of being corporate, is something that tends to um, remove the uniqueness of the individual, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah. that 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 could be something that a four might find themselves part of a corporation or part of something like that. right? Um, and, and I would even apply that to like church. They might be part of a church that <laughs> has a particular theology, that has a particular way of seeing things, and you have to buy into only seeing it this way. And the moment right. you begin to say, hold on, I think I see it a little differently, um, and you're trying to remove the unique way that I'm seeing it from my personhood, That could be a far more emotional process for a four to go through than maybe for a one or a two to go through.
1: Absolutely. Is that a fair
0: way of like, because it's not that, it's not that a one, two, three, and four might all go through that process. It's that Mm -hmm. the four may feel that process emotionally very different than one of the other numbers might, which this is, I think, where the Enneagram becomes very helpful Mm -hmm. is that that can be um, a internal civil war of sorts for all people, no matter what number you're on. If you're going through that, like, hold on, I'm not sure if I can deny this part of myself. Mm -hmm. And that brings about a whole lot of emotions, but recognizing that a four feels those emotions in a far more intense way than the other numbers. Yeah. This is where you begin to have empathy when someone Absolutely. who's a four is really struggling to walk Absolutely. the party line or the, yeah. you know, because yeah. for them it's a far more emotional process. Yeah. So I think that yeah. that's a good, it's yeah. just one more, I think, visual for people to understand. Okay. I'm starting to see how some of this applies to real life situations that Absolutely. we might find ourselves in. Absolutely. Yep. Okay.
1: Totally. Yep. So the
0: five, go ahead.
1: Yes. The five is frequently called the investigator.
0: Investigator. They are
1: Analytical. Detached and private, they are motivated by a need to gain knowledge, conserve energy, and avoid relying on others. Hmm. The fives often hoard those things that they believe will ensure they can live an independent, self-sustained existence. This withholding ultimately can lead to their holding back love and affection from others. Hmm. Fives are very data driven. Okay. Um, they get safety out of information and research. Um,
0: so just to be clear, we just left a type in four Mm -hmm. that seems to be very emotionally driven Mm -hmm. and five, would you argue is more logical driven or logically driven? Analytical. Analytical. Okay.
1: Yep. Huh. Um,
0: Yet they could be wings of each other. In yes, an odd and way. fact,
1: someone that I know you've recently met, but um, Michael Gunger is a five with a four wing. Really? I know.
2: Interesting. I don't know
1: him, but when I listen to him talk about him, I'm like, no, you must be a four. <laughs> but hmm. out of his own,
2: hmm. um,
1: when he talks about the Enneagram, because he's a big fan,
2: Interesting.
1: Um, he is a five. And uh, his friend, Science Mike, who is a nine, said that when they tour together, uh, frequently fives, more so than any other numbers, just have a limited energy for social interaction. Hmm. Like there is truly a cutoff.
0: I actually sensed that when uh, I had met Michael at Q Conference. Um, They had a line of people greeting them, and and you could tell, um, I don't know, I get a sense of when people are like tired yeah. or you know um, emotionally, and I'm not saying he was tired. Like, yeah. I don't want to say put that yeah. on him, like, right. but maybe he was fine. But like, I sensed mm-hmm. that, I, and I could see how that could come out of this. Uh, whereas, yeah. I um,
1: mean, um, science Mike talks about it. He'll be like, suddenly Michael Gunger has disappeared, and sure. but Fives really it's it's actually a real thing for fives um, that i've heard it explained many times that there is actually just a limit that it's not imagined yeah there's
0: there's a legitimate like yeah, it's just i don't have time. the capacity mm-hmm. to do this anymore yeah almost like
1: yeah. you
0: might work a 12 hour shift and be like i can't work anymore like there's yeah. there's a limit to social interaction yep would you say fives tend to be more um in, in, I don't want to say withdrawn. What's the language I'm looking for? Introverted. I, introverted. That's what I was looking for.
1: Yeah. The Enneagram doesn't use the terms introverted and extroverted okay. a lot. I, I or actually, I almost never hear it. Um, but so much about fives do seem like.
0: They would You're they would trend that the, direction. Yes. And yeah. by the way, we keep saying science, yeah. Mike and Michael Gunger. We're <laughs> we're referencing as she referenced earlier the Liturgist podcast, which I'll put a link to that in the show notes. That those are two of the individuals on the Liturgist podcast, and Science Mike also has his own podcast. But yeah, great. Yeah. Okay, so anything else about the investigator? They're knowledge driven. Um,
1: yeah, I mean you you want a five on. Your team because they will research, yeah. bring data, um, not be emotional. <laughs> uh, they will, they, they can, every number can bring just some really great strengths. And a five definitely um, will come at a situation as objectively as possible
0: so hey, did you listen to episode one of the podcast if you of this podcast I, if you didn't know, that's fine it was the I one did. with it was yeah. one with nate mcconkey yeah, on yeah, evolution yeah. i'm yeah. pretty confident nate's a five <laughs> like if he's not i'd be shocked right, um, right. and i mean i'm not going to try to
2: yeah
0: typecast him i'm just saying like maybe he's he, i don't know if he's heard of the enneagram what he thinks about the enneagram yeah. I would also guess that, like, the investigators might be the skeptical ones about the Enneagram.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: yeah, sure, the Enneagram, uh, yeah. Yeah, tell me more. I mean, more. definitely like, fours yeah. are, like,
1: don't, they constantly are, like, don't box me. Well, fours but, are more
0: probably from a position of, like, I'm too unique to be typecast. Absolutely. Whereas a five might be, like, I question the whole legitimacy of this, <laughs> this snake oil Enneagram yes. business. Like, like, does that make sense? <laughs> totally. Like,
1: <laughs> In fact... Because we brought up Science Mike. Science Mike is a big fan of the Enneagram, but he is, he will say there is nothing scientific about the Enneagram and yet it is uncanny hmm. in its, um, how, how applicable it is and how spot on it is, even though it is not scientific. Hmm. So that's its own thing. He's not a but but, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he's very scientific yeah. So, um, yeah. So fives, uh, fives have a lot of great things to bring, but um,
0: would you think the fives trend toward like the science work though, like because of research? Because you they're so, so logical. I mean,
1: a lot of uh, the experts that I listen to and the people they have on the the one thing about the Enneagram is there can be trends in numbers for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. But because it's all the internal and not the external behavior, you really can find people of all numbers doing all things, such as Michael Gunger being a five.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, whereas like a lot of the a lot of fours can tend to be artistic, but that doesn't mean every artist is a four.
0: Yeah, very interesting. So um, I'm looking here in an example. Of an Enneagram type 5 on the Enneagram Institute.com, mm-hmm. which is a great source yeah. to go check out if you just want to dive into things. They'll also give you individuals who are um, uh, different types. Okay. So individuals who are type 5, Albert Einstein.
1: Oh, goodness. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, and there's quite a few kind of science-y type people under here. Okay. Uh, you've got... Um, <laughs> it's funny because they also do like characters from TV shows. Yes. So like House. like yes. Dr. Gregory yeah. House is a five. I could like, see that. Of course. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: yeah. Uh, Fox Mulder from X-Files is a, is a five. I, I get that if you're into you know, that. I don't know the, that one. Yeah. Um, but what's crazy is there's a ton of artists Okay. that are fives. Okay. So, I mean, if you don't know... Um, Gunger is a band, and so like like there there's artistry there. Uh, uh, yeah. So here's some uh, Vincent Van Gogh. Ooh.
2: Okay. That's
0: interesting, right? Yeah. Um. Oh, Bill Gates is too, and Mark Zuckerberg are both fives, okay. which makes sense from yes. a logical, like very yeah, yeah. scientific, you know, yeah, yeah. way of. But then Kurt Cobain,
1: okay,
0: the singer five. of Nirvana, is a five.
1: Okay, I would have
0: never guessed that. Actually, like just, I've
1: heard some. I mean, experts can, Enneagram teachers can disagree. I, I have heard people, Ian Cron says Cobain was a four. Really? <laughs> so, so see, well, that's, he's a not performer. Self, that's not self-identifying. Um, it's other people. It's other people yeah, identifying
0: yeah. based on yeah. knowledge that and, they have and from whatever. And one of
1: the cardinal rules of the Enneagram is, is you're don't never tell supposed to type other people. people. But meanwhile... Everyone does well, and the fact that
0: As, he says a four, it's not that much disagreement when you have a wing one or way right. or the other. Does that make exactly. sense? Exactly. So, no, it and, does. But yeah. like Trent Reznor, who's the lead singer of Nine Inch Nails, okay. um, Tom York, who's the lead singer of Radiohead. Wow. Um, very interesting when you yeah. dive into some of these these people. So yeah. So like analytical people, but also artists. Yeah. Who you know, um, Stephen King even. Wow. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to okay. number six. Number
1: six. What's interesting about six is most Enneagram teachers um, do believe that, on average, half of the world are actually sixes.
0: Half of the world?
1: Like, half of the world's population. So, that... M- what? Yeah. I,
0: I've never heard that. Yeah.
1: That's... I've heard that in a number of different... Um,
0: hmm.
1: From a number of different yeah, people. So, it's awesome. not like anything on the Enneagram. It's not exact and it's not data, but it's... Yeah. It's a... It's a predominant thought so
0: well let's hear what six is and then let's get into why that might be because i'd love to hear more about why that might be
1: so sixes are called the loyalist by some um they are committed practical and witty they often think in worst case scenario ways they are motivated by fear and a need for security Mm. Um, sixes forever are imagining worst case scenarios and questioning their ability to handle life on their own. Sixes Hmm. turn to authority figures and belief systems rather than God to provide them with the support and security they long for. Hmm. So sixes have a lot of fear and um, truly are driven for safety and security.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. And there's an argument that half of the world might be represented in that
1: yes hmm. so their core desire is to have security guidance and support Hmm. yeah
0: interesting that's awesome yeah I, I would have never guessed that there was such a large contingent of one number or a theory that there was such a large contingent of one well number. this
1: point gets brought up a lot in our Present political situation.
0: Give me an example.
1: Um, just that we're so polarized because people are clinging to...
0: So loyal a, to one side to, and To, to not, a system okay. instead of... Gotcha.
1: What's right, what might need to be worked out, what might need to be nuanced. It's like, no, hmm. I, will, I want security, so I'm just going to grab this thing because this side, this camp, this party, because it will give me safety. I'll belong. And um, instead of the difficulty of, oh, this party has some positives, that party has some positives, this one has some negatives, you know, instead of how hard that can be.
0: So does a loyalist Um, often then, would a loyalist be more likely to find themselves in an echo chamber that just constantly tells them what they already believe? Is that a likely yes scenario that that you might find yourself in if you're a, a six? Yep. Okay.
1: Um, when they... This description had mentioned twice that sixes often think worst-case scenario. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I've often heard on different podcasts when sixes are being interviewed. I mean, the, the truth is we need sixes in the world. We need yeah. people keeping us safe, thinking about what, worst case. what... Yeah, what could happen. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, a beautiful side to that. Um, the... The heart of um, wanting to see sixes be able to get past all those fears and mm-hmm. living um, kind of burdened down by that is is for an authentic, free self who would be able to to live in this world and see what they see, but not not be as driven mm-hmm. by the fear. So
0: so. I feel like of all the ones so far, this one seems borderline like almost like the fact that there there might be half the world that is this number. Mm-hmm. Do you think that has to do, and, and this may be something you've never even considered or like yeah. has never been talked about, Um, has to do with almost like an evolutionary reality of like needing to be afraid or needing to plan for the worst case scenario? Sure. Um, I mean- because that is in a lot of ways, a survivalistic tendency of, like, yeah. uh, we need to be safe. We need to plan for the worst. Like, uh, we need to right. – um, I don't know if you've ever watched The Croods, but the yeah. idea – it's like a, it's like this kid's movie. Yeah. But my kids watch it, and, like, when, when they're watching it, I always laugh because – I've actually never watched the movie, but it's on in the van and I can hear the narrative like happening in the back, you know what I mean? It's on in the minivan as as we're driving and I can hear the whole narrative. And the whole narrative is there's this like the main character dad who's Nicolas Cage does an amazing voiceover. You can tell right away it's him when you're driving in the car and listening to it. But anyway, he... um, His whole narrative is like, we don't leave the cave because the cave is safe.
2: (laughs) And like, and like, and I'm like,
0: I'm pretty sure Nicolas Cage in this movie is a six, but like he's a six because like evolutionarily speaking, he's like, we don't leave the cave because there's dangers outside of the cave. Like, whereas, you know, you're going to have some of these more, um, uh, as we get into some of these other yeah. numbers that are going to really push back against the idea that we don't leave the cave. Totally, <laughs> like,
1: totally. Like <laughs> yes, the sixes, um, their core weakness is anxiety. Yeah. Constantly scanning and preparing for worst case scenarios. Okay. And then um, the message that a six longs to hear, that their heart longs to hear, is that you are safe. Mm. So um, a friend of mine... Um, one said that someone they loved way back at the beginning of their relationship had said, um, I just want someone to take care of me. And that, that's very much a six predominant thought is just not, for the, not because they're not lazy in like a selfish or, not, or no, lazy no, no, no. way. Yeah, just yeah. as far more as like more. Yeah. safety and security. Mm-hmm. I so, want to be
0: safe. I want to yeah. be secure. Yeah, that's which my, really
1: all of us want that. I mean, it's part yeah, of
0: it. but some of us are willing to suspend that for another value. Like, yeah. I, I think it's more ordering yeah. of values, right? Like, because yeah. it could be that the highest value to you is safety and security, and so like I need to find that before I can pursue other things. Whereas yeah. other people might be like, eh, I can go without safety and security for a little bit as long as like this value of helping others is there." Right. Like because that's yeah. my you know or whatever it yeah. might be. Right. I
1: mean, I actually I'm a seven with a six wing. So I I identify that I'm not dominant 6. Um but and you want understand to get the it? sevens. Oh, I totally do. And it's it's in me. Like there's understanding the 6 helps me understand myself. So like staying um, in
0: the cave, there's been times where you've been like let's stay in the cave, guys.
1: Yeah, no. well, it's hard cuz I'm a 7. Yeah. So that <laughs> sevens are aggressive. And the aggressive stance, which is mm-hmm. a whole other Enneagram thing, stances. Yeah. Um, and sixes, I believe, I don't, I'm, stances I'm kind of new to, but uh, sixes are in the dependent stance.
0: Gotcha. So, anyway,
1: so I'm, yeah, that's interesting. It's own thing. Should
0: we go right into seven? Because sure. as, as yes. we're kind of talking about it with six, it's probably yep. natural. to right just into seven. Go right into it. And this is your type, yes, so you this get is to speak type. very. Uh,
1: Sevens. So type sevens are often called the enthusiast. We are (laughs) fun, spontaneous, and adventurous, very much motivated by a need to be happy and to plan stimulating experiences and to avoid pain at all costs. That would be emotional and psychological pain. Um, Sevens, in order to avoid painful feelings, Sevens often gorge themselves on positive experiences, planning and anticipating new adventures, and entertaining interesting ideas. (laughs) Never satisfied, the sevens' frenzied pursuit of these distractions eventually escalates to the point of gluttony. Mm. So, good times.
0: (laughs) Oh wow! It's as good as Isn't there a way that they sometimes attach a sin to each of the? Uh, yes, I'm actually reading. So the gluttony, sins. gluttony would it's be gluttony, uh, yeah. for, for this one. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm re- as part of this description, I'm reading the type description, and I've added in the sins. Okay. But I didn't differentiate that. Interesting. Uh, but yes, seven it's gluttony, and obviously it's not just food; it's a glutton. I mean, a gluttonous, beha- gluttonous behavior for positive. For whatever will whatever we'll feel positive and good and happy. Um,
0: Don't want to deal with negative emotions.
1: Definitely. Nope.
0: don't want to w- work through those realities whether they're in our world and they're things that right. exist and they're things yeah. that we should be processing collectively I don't want to process it I don't want
1: collectively
0: or individually. yeah or individually
1: yeah uh, so yeah. one of the
0: things about this <laughs> while you were reading that I was kind of googling about is like plan stimulating experiences <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm like oh my gosh that's totally annette
2: that's so Annette, annette is yes. constantly
0: <laughs> trying to get like everybody together and every like Monday whether morning. it's like at one of like yeah every Monday morning when she looks at her calendar it's like Brittany and I get a text <laughs> and I'm it's like, so I'm going to be here on Friday and here on Saturday, oh whether it's like Ryan's gig or usually it's Ryan's gig or it's like a deck party at the house or something like you are I live for
1: those things.
0: Yeah. Well, and let me say this though. Like it's amazing because like I would say, and I don't know if this is true of most sevens, but it's definitely true of you. Like there's a gift of hospitality. I would guess most of our sevens have a gift of hospitality and like they want to get people together or they want to, they want to have these experiences where everybody's.
1: Yes and There's no. A um, maybe. I, I yes. Maybe that's
0: just you. I don't. know. Yeah.
1: Remember. Um. It's funny because um. Some of the people that I have found to be the most hospitable people have often been twos. Um, oh, because there are in my yeah, lives. Yeah, yeah. Um. For me, I'm a gatherer, a gatherer of people. Maybe but that's actually, I'm it. Yeah, yeah. But actually, like for me, hospitality includes many things, but definitely like food preparation and the aesthetic um and I am all about the people yeah and the vibe of the people um so
0: so maybe gatherers definitely a better term but I I guess what I'm trying to say is like there's a there's a warmth in that gathering that you facilitate that you create that you um desire to bring about I guess which I think has been something that's like It's super awesome. It was awesome when, like, Brittany and I were invited into that when we became friends. And, like, you're constantly trying to introduce us to your friends. But then we've also seen friends that you've made along the way since we've kind of become friends with you that get, like, introduced. And you're, like, you're very aware of, like... So, hey, let me tell you about so and so. So and so is this type of person. And you're like trying to introduce them. And it's almost like you grab them and you're like, I'm your guide tonight. I'm going to take <laughs> you around, make sure you get to know everybody. And like you're enthusiastic because you're like almost like journeying through all these new relationships with them. And it's like, oh, I'm so excited because you're feeling all these happy emotions and I get to feel them with you. That,
1: that, <laughs> that is totally a seven. That is totally a seven. Sevens uh, frequently. Can be often known as the life of the party. They tend to be um, funny and energized, and as myself as a seven I'm like, I'm not always the funniest person in the room or mm-hmm. necessarily the life of the party, mm-hmm. but kind of the way you've described, I've realized that's 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 who I am at the party <laughs> um, which is this positive vibe thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but a, a lot of sevens can tend to be um, like they truly described as the life of the party. So so the negative that.
0: way it might present itself, like let's just say you're in a relationship with a seven.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We'll just say for the oh, sake of this, like an, an intimate marriage relationship mm-hmm. and you're having to go through some difficult emotions or process let's just say you're a parent and you're having to process a child who's going through some really hard, difficult things and it's negative emotions that you're having to process in your child or negative behaviors you're having to process in your child. Does a seven typically try to kind of just escape that, deny that? Oh, that's not happening or it's happening, but
1: yeah. And here's the silver
0: bullet fix and we're not going to actually really have to work through it. Like we're not going to have to, Um, I don't want to feel these emotions. Is that kind of the Um, typical roadmap?
1: Yep. Uh, this description didn't include it, but sevens uh constantly will reframe a situation into the most positive <laughs> way possible because <laughs> it avoids the pain.
0: Okay, um,
1: Rob Bell's a seven,
0: is Bob Goff a seven?
1: Bob Goff's Bob, totally, Bob a seven. Like, yes, he's
0: gotta be yes. a seven. And, and, I'm sitting here, and like.
1: the people you know, Richard Rohr, uh, Ian Cron, these guys, they they all say like. Uh, Rob Bell and Bob Goff Goff are like very healthy sevens. Okay. Uh, But Rob Bell says all the time, his uh, drug of choice has always been denial. Like as a fellow seven, it's like, yes, that's that's just, that's just, that's part of the story. My own story of why the Enneagram has been so helpful has been um, really recognizing a lot of these behaviors that I just I just reframed
2: <laughs> yeah. just for a long
1: time a couple decades yeah. just saw you know saw myself, saw my life experience, and saw it in a certain way. but yeah. in order to make the next steps of growth and health, mm-hmm. um, I had to learn to... Um, Ian Cron says, he has a son who's a seven. He said, sometimes we have to talk to our sevens or if you're a seven, talk to yourself. And kind of like you would to a puppy, you have to say, stay. Okay. 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 Something hard has come. Stay. And I actually say that to myself. I'm like, Annette, stay, stay in the pain. Don't move. Just, oh, just like man. I talked to my That's dog. That's so
0: good. So, well that's that's so good because like here's a tangible way that's helping you like you're so used to like denial 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 Yep. and now you're Escape. moving toward acceptance acceptance acceptance
2: yeah
0: sit with this yeah process it not try to find a silver bullet or a, a silver lining that i can just lean on and move forward but actually like yeah embrace this difficult thing that i have to work through yeah. and then get to the other side in a healthy way instead of in a I'm going to close my eyes and pretend it's not here and get to the other side. Like, yeah. So that, do you find that it gets easier to journey through those negative emotions as you go through that, that way? Or is it? I
1: mean, I've been trying to do a lot of work for probably now, um, the better part of five years to Mm -hmm. do that. Yeah. Um, so life has helped that. (laughs) And then the knowledge of things like the Enneagram and therapy and different Mm -hmm. tools, um, a horrible tragedy happened to my family yeah. six years ago. My um, nephew was had a tragic accident, was killed. And um, that was a situation I could not reframe. Mm. There's just no reframing it. There's yeah. just not. Um, so on one hand, that was one of the first experiences in my life that it just... Couldn't be, couldn't be reframed. It it could not be made positive. Yeah. Inherently, it couldn't be glossed over. It couldn't be. It was just darkness and pain, and tragedy. Um, so. So an experience like that, I I kind of ran into that experience. Not necessarily. I didn't know the enneagram at that point, and I was starting to work on myself. Um. But that was almost like a jolt because I recognized like this, this can't be reframed. Mm. So.
0: Yeah, that's, that's hard. That's, that's a, that's a, I mean, that's
1: kind of an extreme example. Well, it is an extreme
0: example, but I think, again, it's a really good, people have dealt with tragedy who are listening to this right now. And have found out a lot about themselves as they've journeyed through that tragedy, right? Like we tend to find a lot about ourselves as we're put in stressful situations. And tragic situations are sometimes the most stressful, often the most stressful. So um, much of these characteristics that we're talking about within the Enneagram or these types are... Are how we respond to stress, how yeah. we respond to fear, how we respond totally. to the negative in the world, mm-hmm. or the negative that we journey through, and so for you having to go through that and no longer being able to put a positive spin on it, it's yeah. like I can't find the I can't find the positive in this. Like no. it does seem to me like enthusiasts have high highs and low lows. Oh
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> like, yeah. like Well, <laughs> um,
1: because of the wanting to deny and. Just avoid. Avoid is the word. Totally avoid emotional and psychological pain. Um, that the idea. Often, what happens is just just this frenzied attempt for keep the positive, keep the 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 stimulating, keep the um, the happy. And um, we'll get to that later. But that's what's so interesting about my marriage, which is a seven and a four, because fours. Um, just in how they view the world, how they view reality, are just much more comfortable mm-hmm. with even melancholy. Yeah. So to have a person who can sit shiva, that Hebrew yeah, um, sitting shiva, practice which is where you where you sit with mm-hmm. someone in pain and you don't try to fix it mm-hmm. and you don't try to reframe it. And mm-hmm. you don't try to.
0: You don't even talk. Talk your way. Yes. You don't even talk at all. You just sit there. So um, that's 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 terrible so for like, a seven. That's like that's so like literally like, torture for a seven, right? right? Like, is that fair? Like, uh,
1: it's so, it certainly is. So you know, um, having tried to do a lot of hard work, mm-hmm. and some days being able to have had some growth. Um, you know, I've 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 had to teach myself and learn how to sit shiva, mm. and even my daily work can involve that, depending sure. on the day and what's going on. Um, but then life can as well.
0: Mm. Do we want to move on to eights? Sure. All right. Uh, what is the eights?
1: eights? Eights has been a big deal in my life too, <laughs> um, in a really helpful way. Okay, so eights are called the challenger, and. This flipped me over. Okay. Eights are, some people call, all the different teachers can use different words. Yeah, but the same basic idea. Yeah, same basic idea. Yeah. And a lot of them, um, even Ian said he doesn't love assigning the name per se, but it often helps people, especially when they're first new to the Enneagram, to be like, okay, performer, investigator, just get a general idea. So type eights are called the challengers. They are commanding, intense, and confrontational. They are motivated by a need to be strong and avoid feeling weak or vulnerable. Uh, Eights lust after intensity. It can be seen in the excessiveness they evidence in every area of their life. They can be domineering and confrontational. Eights present a hard, intimidating exterior to mask a vulnerable inside i'm an eight <laughs> we guessed that so long ago even though you're never allowed to do that
0: it took a while to come to grips with it because that's not necessarily a that's, description that, that anyone wants to hear about themselves or at least that's what they say if you don't want to hear it about yourself that's probably, probably you, you. Yeah. um yeah that's definitely me i mean there's, think there's so much
1: beautiful about eights. Sure. Let's say that. Yes.
0: What is what are those things? <laughs> Tell me those again. No. Healthy
1: AIDS. <laughs> healthy eights are world changers because yeah. they're not afraid of bullies. AIDS. Yeah. Eights, eights are not intimidated by, for lack of a better word, bullies. Yeah. Eights. healthy AIDS are um passionate for the marginalized and will stick up for mm-hmm. those that are being uh, oppressed and abused. I want to say someone said um,
0: MLK is an, yep, an eight. That's I mean, been the that, guess. That, that would be the yep. guess, right? Yep. The, the, Absolutely. Because he's a challenger, obviously, yeah. like the challenging system. Yep. So like, so yeah. eights in their, in their health can be working toward people in the margins. They can Absolutely. also work toward power in negative ways I would guess too because sure. power seems to be a little bit of an element of an eight right yes like
1: eights um will often describe that they walk into a room and they can't help but try to notice who's in control here
0: <laughs> what's so funny is oh, you control. shared that with me at like a, a dinner eight, we were having eight, and, eight, and eight, I was like crap <laughs> <laughs> I do that every time. (laughs) (laughs) I can't walk into a room and not be like, who's in control? Like, and what I mean by that is like, if I go to, let's, okay, let's say I go to, um, okay, so me being in um, the church community, for example, um, there's been a number of like random events I get invited to or something. Mm -hmm. And let's say I go to an event that's like being put together by somebody and I, I walk into the event that I've been invited to or whatever, and I walk into the event and it's clear that, like, something's gone wrong or things aren't going well yep. or, you know, like, whatever. Any any number of things are going wrong. Yeah. And it's clear that, like, whoever's in control does not, it, it's not working mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Like, Brittany's completely unaware of that. My mm-hmm. wife. Okay? Like. Yeah. I'm fully aware of it and can't mm-hmm. take my mind off of it. Yep. And I'm aware that like this person is in charge, but they're not having a good day. Yep. like and or or, yeah. or or I'm aware of it from the standpoint of like, do I need to help right now? Like, mm-hmm. do I need to get involved? Do I need to like, right. like help? Like, uh, and that's, this- that's
1: a strength of an eight. That an eight, um, so many of us would just be like, not maybe see that any of those things at all, or if we saw them, just be like, nah, eh, it's not my. Not place. my problem. <laughs> but an eight, an eight is just so much more up for the challenge. Um, but I've also
0: learned that you have to be careful in those places because yeah. you can also overstep as an eight yeah. because that intensity can take away opportunities from other people.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, because sometimes those people need the failure of that moment or that moment of stress or that moment of not knowing what they're doing and actually going through that, uh, for the betterment of experience. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes I think an eight can swoop in and be like, I'll save the day.
1: (laughs) Totally. Um, my son is an eight, my, my middle son, Shane, and Mm -hmm. that's another story how helpful, um, understanding eights has really transformed my relationship with him. Um, and I won't go into that too deeply, but uh, his first grade teacher said to me at a parent-teacher conference, she was like, I just love having this kid in my class. It's basically like having another adult. He just, he gets sarcasm. He he just walks into the room and says, um, if if kids are just kind of being kids and sitting around, he's like, okay, you you need to go do this. You um, go take care of this, not in just a stereotypically bossy way, but just, it's just who he's always been that he walks into a room and he's not even the biggest kid on the block. I mean, he's somewhat shorter in stature, he is, but um, he just, it's his natural inclination that he walks in and, Mm -hmm. um, and yes, there's a lot of negatives about that, but there's a lot of positives and we need people like that in Mm -hmm. the world. Um, and again, it's even part of God's character of God is a challenger. Mm-hmm. God, I mean, sometimes, depending on uh, what way you're looking at it, uh, God absolutely challenges humans and the way that we operate and what we're doing and just flips that upside down. So so it's a it's, it's a it can be a really great characteristic. Taking um, command
0: of a room is something an eight. No one has to teach an eight how to do that. No,
1: not at all. Is what all. I guess
0: I'm saying. Like, totally. whereas like totally. as a as a leader totally. who's 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 had to lead other staff or interns, mm-hmm. there's been times where I've been like, hey, you're in charge.
2: Yeah.
0: When you're at the mic, you gotta take command of the room. Yeah. You're not taking command of the exactly. room. Everyone's <laughs> nervous for you. That's not <laughs> commanded. Like you right. have to exude a certain amount of confidence. And so let's talk about what that means. Yeah. You can't be twitching like you're scared yeah. when you've, when you're in front of everyone, you don't have to tell an eight that cue because no. an eight is like, okay. I'm not afraid. Why nope. would I be afraid? I'm nope. not afraid of it. Like, and like, that's,
1: <laughs> and that's the thing, um, that not, I mean, I'm a seven and I was like, am I an eight wing or a six? Oh, definitely a six. Um, I really appreciate eights and, um, and what they bring to the table. Uh, Part of, part of the story that an eight adopts early in childhood, mm. um, is that they need to take control, um, in order to be safe. Okay. So the fear of the eight is being weak, hmm. being powerless, being harmed, being controlled by others, being manipulated and being at the mercy of injustice. Like that's one person's description of um the core fear the core desire is to protect oneself
2: hmm.
1: and it says it can deteriorate into constant fighting and conflicts because depending on how that goes <laughs> um, the self image of an 8 <laughs> the self image of an 8 can be um outspoken direct opinionated bold Decisive, tough, and compassionate. Yeah. The compassionate part's the important part, yeah. I think, to remember. Um, as being a woman and being, you know, pro women, uh, one thing when I hear people talk about AIDS is that women who are AIDS have an especially tough road to hoe. Yeah. Because often they are just considered the worst. Yeah.
0: Well, the worst, and I'm saying that yeah. in obviously like
1: yeah, it's air not quotes, true. like the right. worst,
0: exactly. like, right. like yeah. I, I think, and, and I say that because like my daughter's an eight, yeah. like I'm confident Magnolia's an eight, like yeah. there's no way she's not. Um, right. And I say that more from the standpoint of like, she challenges
2: everything
0: <laughs> and not the way like a kid challenges things. Kids challenge things, but I mean, yeah. she will find things to challenge that you're like, why, what, what are we, what are we doing? Absolutely. And, and like, I realize now what my parents would tell me the way I would challenge things too. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> it comes around full circle. So, um, yeah. so like, yeah. but I also look at it and I'm like, man, you're entering into a world where, um, you, you're lucky because it'll, it'll likely be very more open to yes, um, powerful fair. women, mm-hmm. women who who, yep. who can challenge, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like she's definitely entering into history at a very different time than it would have been 50 years ago for oh, her yeah. to enter in with her personality. But yeah, um, you can certainly see the stereotype of how women might get typecast as a certain type of person or um, uh, certain negatives attached to them. Because so much of their personality is this, whereas a man it could almost be seen as,
2: oh, as an endearing
0: masculine. quality. Yep. Oh, oh, look yeah, at yeah. you! Like like look like at how great leadership. Yeah. Oh, you're so quality. great. And yep. the moment you you apply that to a, woman, to a woman, it can be all kinds of negative things. Oh, instead yeah. of the like, you can quickly see the negative instead of seeing on positive. a consistent
1: basis. When I've heard female eights tell their stories, that's what they often.
0: Yeah. Um, Especially you know if you go into the eight? corporate world, probably too. Like yeah.
1: The, Someone who's an eight who um, has been able to navigate that is Nadia Boltz-Weber. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: that's crazy. She's an eight, huh? Yes. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. she's definitely a challenger. Her most recent book that just came out is Challenging right. a Lot of Things. Um, <laughs> right. What's the, what's the name of that book? Just to give her a plug. Shameless, I believe. Shameless, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I haven't read it yet. Are you reading I've, it? Or are you gonna I read haven't it? read it
1: yet. I, I want to. Yeah. yeah,
0: I'll probably read it. But yeah. it's definitely challenging our views of sex within our
1: yeah. context and, even the and that's, fact that she's a, that's a huge challenge and, and, oh
0: yeah oh well a female pastor with tattoos yeah. and yes. like, yeah yes, obviously yes, yes. Which,
2: yeah
0: obviously I'm a pastor with <laughs> tattoos and <earrings. laughs> I think we don't have a problem challenging status quo I want it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if Steve Jobs was an eight like I don't know if he was an eight but like yeah. the idea of like challenging the status quo of like pushing back against like why does yeah. it have to be that way like I one yeah. of the things I ask all yeah, the time when really someone fun. tells me it's this way I'm like why Why does it have to be? Oh, that's
1: very, yeah. Like
0: why? Like don't tell me we're, like don't tell me we're doing this because we've done it the last three years. Tell me we're doing this because there's a reason this needs to be done than like tradition. Yeah. I, I'm the last, the last way to convince me to do anything is because of tradition. Now I'll say this in my family, my wife's very big on tradition. Mm -hmm. So in the sense of like, we have this certain traditions, we cut down a Christmas tree every year. We do these other things. Right. Yeah, Those types of traditions that are more like emotional and family, I'm very open to. Mm-hmm. Traditions that seem to keep us locked into a pattern and way of doing things that's not helpful or yeah. not open to new ideas
2: yeah,
0: are things that I absolutely like loathe and I'll do them sometimes, but I'm like, why, yeah. why are we staying in the yeah. cave? Yeah. Yes. Maybe exactly. we're safe right. in the cave, yeah. but maybe we're missing out on all so kinds much. of new opportunities. Absolutely. And that's, I'm always leaning on. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take the risk for the yeah. likelihood that there might be something better. Like yeah. that's just my mindset yeah. of like,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. So safety and risk, I'm always, I'm, I'm more likely to lean toward risk yeah. in, in my eightness, I guess. Yep. I don't know. and
1: I briefly mentioned stances. Obviously, the eight is in the aggressive stance. Hmm. So fun! And
0: Everybody wants to hear that about
1: themselves. So <laughs> well, again, these labels. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the crazy part. No, I is, understand. Yeah, that. it's um, it's
0: aggressive because it is aggressive to say. No, the status quo is not okay. That's an aggressive thing to say. It's an aggressive thing to just the idea of challenging something is aggressive.
1: Well, what's interesting is so the sevens, um, the sevens, eights, and nines were all in the aggressive stance. But oh, sorry, no, I said that wrong. Sorry, aggressive stance.
0: Eight and nine. Oh, I was wrong. No, you're okay. Go ahead.
1: Sorry, aggressive stance is three, seven, and eight. I apologize. So when we talk about stances, there's many things to talk about. There's okay. the wings, there's subtypes, there's stances. But one level and uh, part of the Enneagram is stances. The aggressive stance are the threes, the sevens, and the eights. But we're aggressive for different reasons. Gotcha. Um, for instance, an eight is aggressive for the reasons we're talking about. A seven is aggressive because we I, I will aggressively... Seek to avoid difficult things versus an eight will aggressively walk right in and enter in
0: and take control so and it's power. It's still aggressiveness, yeah, yeah. but it's it's different. So a seven will aggressively assert a positive outlook on the emotion that the negative emotion that they don't want to feel, or they'll aggressively or run away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 but but I'm saying like yes, the yes. the outcome or the yes, the, the reasoning true. is very different. The motivation very different. is very very yeah. different. What's yeah. the sin for an eight? Like, um, like, cause we talked about yes. how sins are yeah, attached yeah. to all of yep. them. What is it? Would it be like anger it's called or lust, Lust, okay. Like lust for power, maybe yeah, or control. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Okay. Actually, Ian says lust for intensity. So, intensity. Yeah. Okay. so obviously kind of like gluttony wasn't just food. Sure. Lust is not sexual. It's, yeah. It's intensity. Okay. Hmm. And that's one thing, um, from very young in his toddler years, my son, Ryan and I would be like. Shane is just an intense person. He is just—he just came out of the womb, intense, which is interesting because the Enneagram believes we adopt and take on our personality types. Um, But from very young, Shane, uh, there was one day when he was only like 18 months or two years old, and we had told—we had taken something from him. We were still house parents at the Milton Hershey School. He went that's back that's into, a good
0: detail, by the way. You guys were house oh, parents yeah, at the Milton yeah. Hershey School. <laughs> For seven years. For seven we were. Years we were yeah, full-time
1: house parents. Uh, the whole beginning part of our marriage, um, which the Enneagram really would have helped us understand <laughs> each other back then. Anyway, ah, uh, youth. Um, Shane, he went back into our apartment, and he took a dozen of eggs and just smashed them one by one. Hmm. So anyway, that's an example where we say from a very young age, Shane just sort of did things on a more intense level. Um, that's so, just a little example.
0: No, but. that's exact, uh, that, That's good. And <laughs> I would actually argue the same for Magnolia. She's been pretty intense, maybe not since day one, but like definitely has an intensity about her, a fieriness about her. Yeah. Um, so you just mentioned something. Before we go into nine, yeah. you had mentioned like, they take on... Um, a a persona or 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 whatever Uh, there's there's the understanding of like nature and nurture Mm -hmm. Um, it seems as if most Enneagram people are arguing for more of a nurture stance or maybe not a nurture stance but a environmental stance that leads to your personality being discovered or
1: or or your personality
0: type I'm curious what you think about that
1: yeah um without parsing it out super um like detail. Yeah, yeah. Actually, in everyone I've listened to and the two books I've read, it really does seem like it, it does. The language sounds very much nurture, but um, people often, when they're being interviewed on podcasts, they will ask. And it does seem like the nature part of we have these propensities towards the reason we gravitate towards what what is in our environment and, and, and what's around us there, there does seem to be a component also of the nature, not just the nurtures. And I would say just from my opinion, it does seem to be like 50, 50. So
0: sure. I, yeah. I think you can't, I I don't know. I, I think you can't make it all nurture. Like right. there has to be a nature element. Like I honestly yeah. see so much of my, my, so much of myself and my daughter to where I'm like, wow, this is like the genes clearly got <laughs> handed to you <laughs> of like leader yeah. and like right going in and taking charge like yeah like and not being afraid of the bully like she's yeah. totally like when you gave that ex- analogy I thought of myself but I also thought of her like
1: yeah
0: she's so. Not scared in those situations. So yeah. interesting. So the eight yeah. is the challenger. All right. Yes. What is the nine? The last number. The
1: nine, which actually is on the top of the Enneagram. And uh, different Enneagram teachers say they do believe the nine, no number is better than another number, which is funny in dinner conversation. A lot of times ones or threes will be like, well, which is the best number? (laughs) Because I would like to work towards being that number. There is no best number, um, which is another thing I love about the Enneagram is that it's another reminder that we are all broken and we all Mm. need mercy and grace and that we all... um, we all have areas of weakness and we all have areas of strength. And it's just, to me, a level playing field.
0: And not one of uh, us is better than another. No. It's more that we just have different things Absolutely. we're working through and different ways no of processing. Type.
1: You would not want a world full of any one type. No. It would be horrific. Yeah. But to have a representation, a spectrum of the nine different types makes a beautiful, um, complicated, but varied world which is what yeah. we want to live in and what we need and again some have um said you can see diff- nine different characteristics of god knowing that god isn't just the creator yeah but he is also um perfect <laughs> he is a yeah. perfectionist but he's also, also a, helper. a helper and yeah. a server uh servant so yeah okay so type nine is called the peacemaker mm-hmm. they are pleasant laid back and accommodating they are motivated by a need to keep the peace, to merge with others, and to avoid conflict. Um, for nines, their sin, their um, deadly sin, can be considered sloth. Sloth refers not to physical sloth, but to spiritual laziness. Mm-hmm. Nines can fall asleep to their own priorities, their own personal development, and responsibility and for becoming their own person. So nines... Um, more than others can tend to just, to just fall asleep to their own personal, deep inner life. Um, but nines, one of the most incredible things about nines is that they have the ability to see both sides legitimately.
2: Mm. Science
1: Mike is a nine. Um, they can sit in a room with an art with a debate going on, and they can truly get behind either side as far as understanding, not hmm. what, whatever side they personally believe would be different. But sure. that's why they're the peacemakers. They're able um, to not just be locked in to understanding their way, but they can truly see. I understand why this person is feeling that way Hmm. and in the same scenario this person seeing the other so Hmm.
0: so the nine would be probably the first one to champion like reconciliation and forgiveness
1: absolutely absolutely Hmm. yep Hmm.
0: because when I hear the so I'm not sure which wing I am Mm -hmm. I I don't think I'm an enthusiast (laughs) (laughs) I just don't think I am um I'm certainly very quick to champion reconciliation and forgiveness, mm-hmm. and um, I have a peace position mm-hmm. theologically even, so like being a peacemaker is yeah. definitely a part of my story. I would say the idea of avoiding conflict is literally not something I consider. Right. Like, I, I now, I think that's probably where my challenger standpoint, like, drives right, the me. the dominant. I mean, exactly. there's times where I avoid conflict more from the standpoint of like, oh, I just don't want to deal with this. Like this is right. a, this is a waste of time. Like yeah, um, it, or I just don't want to deal with another meeting where we try to you know fix this problem or whatever. But not from a standpoint of like I'm afraid of conflict. Right. Where, I've,
1: I've heard nines describe. Um, it's interesting. So they will avoid conflict. I myself, as a seven, will avoid pain. Um, my reasons for avoiding pain is different than a nine avoiding conflict. A nine would avoid, an unhealthy nine, avoid conflict by nature because they, they want peace. Like mm. peace is the priority. Peace for themselves, peace for others. So conflict, you entering into conflict um, takes work. <laughs> it takes often negotiation and yeah. um and even though they have a gift for that when properly harnessed um an unhealthy nine will just literally a lot of nines say and, and I've heard Ian even say like truthfully go to sleep figuratively but even go to sleep literally because it's just yeah there's no peace and and they are truly just hmm. Um, at home in, in peace. And <laughs> I guess is.
0: the, so the negative would be almost like a fake piece that, not a fake piece, but a piece that they get to experience while others maybe are experiencing conflict Yeah. because they don't necessarily work through the things that maybe need to be challenged. Yeah. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. So if you're a nine, yeah. is your wing a one or an eight then?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. I just wanted to yeah. make sure. So, so yep. it goes rounds up yep. to that. So like, yep. okay, I see, I
1: see. Yep. Um,
0: What else about uh, a nine? Anything else you wanted to share? On a
1: nine, so their core fears are being in conflict, being loveless, being shut out, being discordant, Mm. overlooked, or inharmonious. So those are core fears. Their desires is to have inner stability and peace of mind. Interesting. Like that's...
0: I feel like a lot of recent presidents uh, have been uh, nines. Like I think like Ronald Reagan, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, they and, say like,
1: Bill Clinton, George
0: actually. Bush, and People Bill Clinton, say, mm-hmm. and uh, yep. I even think like uh, John F. Kennedy. Someone said was in was a nine. Like is I, it just that I've they, they a have lot of presidents. they have a way of like. Um, finding the role. peaceful, finding, fi- it's, it's exactly. more of like a diplomatic position, right? Like I'm yes. a, you're a diplomat if you're a peacemaker in some ways, yes. right? Cause you're able to like, yep. you're able to find the, the, you're able to thread the needle if you will, to, yeah. to the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I have heard
1: that numerous uh, experts have said it has been very strong in presidents. Hmm.
0: So cause you'd think yeah. like a president would be like either a, um, a perfectionist maybe in mm-hmm. that right or a challenger in that yeah. you know but uh when you think of peacemaker there is a lot of like i said diplomatic skills that are necessary in that role and that so that that makes sense that some of those people navigate to that whereas a challenger tends to not see the value of diplomatic <laughs> solutions <laughs> speaking
2: of presidents <laughs>
1: um, i don't want to go into it because i don't have say a lot of specifics. But the truth is, uh, people often assume Donald Trump's an eight. Um, a lot, I've heard a number of people, including Ian, say hmm. they don't believe he's actually an eight. They believe oh, okay. he's a counterphobic six, which is yet another.
0: Counterphobic? Yeah. Holy which man. I'm
1: not super well versed in, so I don't want to speak to that.
0: Counterphobic.
1: Um, but basically, um, to say it in the most simplistic way, a Super unhealthy six driven okay. by fear. Mm. Um, and interesting, yeah. Every type, <laughs> there really is a lot of complexity. What yeah. if you want to just keep diving into the enigma? Um, under each type, there are three subtypes, and one of each of the subtypes will be a counter type, so someone who actually. Doesn't look like their number. And I'll give you the best example, a good example of someone we know. My husband, Ryan, is a (laughs) self-preservation four, that's his subtype, which is the counter type. Self-preservation fours do not frequently look on the outside like a lot of other fours do. Okay. Behaviorally.
0: And the self-preservation so, being that?
1: Um, well, the three subtypes are either social, self-preservation, or what is called sexual, but again, it's actually not about it's sex. It's not about sex. It's about, it's about, intimacy, about intimacy. One-on-one yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. would be a better term. Okay. Um, so the self-preservation, uh, it looks different for each number, but is driven by... need to preserve their own self (laughs) and that looks different for each person so Hmm. so anyway so there is one subtype of each number that actually is the counter type and like I said that I haven't educated myself
0: so if I'm a challenger and a subtype of challenger so the subtypes are all three the same self preservation social of course they look
1: very different in fact for myself and Ryan, when we are helping someone find their number, once they, get their, once they get an idea of their number, we have them read descriptions of the subtype. Okay. And the subtypes, like for my one friend I was discussing who realized she was a one, it was by hearing the three subtypes of the one, once she heard, in her case, I can't remember, I think she was the social one, it read her mail. Mm. So the one generally did, but when she read the subtype, and that happened with Ryan. Do you
0: have the subtypes with you right now? I do not. Okay, but I could, could pull we, them up.
1: Can I we could find them, them online? Hold yeah. on, hold
0: on. So where would they would they be on the Enneagram Institute? Like um, uh, of the, the best, subtypes.
1: Our our favorite um, person is Beatrice Chestnut. So she wrote uh, the complete Enneagram. It's like the Bible of the Enneagram. Okay. Um, so look up Beatrice Beatrice Chestnut. Subtypes.
0: Alright, so subtypes of an eight. Um, Solidarity, which is the the social eight, is, quote, solidarity, it's the countertype.
1: Okay, so that means that's the one that's this countertype that doesn't necessarily seem like an eight.
0: The social eight is the countertype of the three eight subtypes. Social eights represent a contradiction the eight archetype rebels against social norms, but the social eight is also oriented toward protection and loyalty. They express lust, lust and aggression in the service of life and other people. This person is social antisocial, quote, social antisocial, end quote. Mm. In contrast to self-preservation eights, social eights are more loyal, more overtly friendly, and less aggressive.
2: Mm-hmm. See, I
0: was gonna say, I think I'm a social eight, yeah, but I don't I think know. So
2: too.
0: Okay, so yeah. okay, that's yeah. more of what I was saying as you were talking. Yeah. I was like, I think I'm a social yeah. eight, yeah, um, But I don't quite understand what it means by the like. Um, I mean, I definitely rebel, rebel against um, social norms. But then when it says like, um, they express aggression in the service of life. And other people. Oh, I guess I can. I think that,
1: that. yeah. It, yeah, I guess I see When you that. stand up for the marginalized. Yeah. You're, yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, and this mm-hmm. gives like multiple paragraphs mm-hmm. about this. So, so. Beatrice
1: Chestnut is Beatrice highly regarded. Chestnut. Yes. I'll put, I did not read her book yet. She wrote the complete Enneagram.
0: Okay, we'll put something for some link to Beatrice mm-hmm. Chestnut in the uh, show notes. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Very good. Okay, so, so anyway, that, that's subtypes, which yeah. you can dive into that wormhole and, and like live there for a while. Um, there's also yeah. wings. Do you just want to like, we've, we've referenced wings a lot. Yeah. Can we just maybe give, what's a reason that I would even want to know my wing?
1: Um,
0: or that it might be valuable to know my wing. Just another way that I might process.
1: Just more information. More information. All of these things, wings, subtypes. Dances. Um, I'm trying to think what triads else. was the one that I wanted yes. to talk about. Yes. Uh, th- yeah, because triad actually, th- these, these are definitely like the deeper levels of the Enneagram.
0: Yeah. Um, and maybe I will legitimately have you back to go deeper into yeah. this, like, because I do think yeah. some of these other things are helpful. But can we give just they like are. an overview of what each of these mean and why they're helpful?
1: Yes. So the wings are probably what a lot of us do after we discover our type. We a lot of us do tend to um, try to figure out our wings. I've heard meanwhile, I've heard plenty of people who say they really could care less about their wings. so yeah, um, it really can be very individual uh, but I keep saying my husband because he's a good example, like a four with a three wing looks a lot different than a four with a five wing. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: So it really understanding the wings is just... That next layer of um, information that is just for more self awareness, for hopefully to help us identify, um, you know, the our tendencies that we want to work on and transform and change and grow. Mm-hmm. So that's about that's about what I would say about wings. I personally haven't really spent a lot of time on wings. But like I said, for my husband, it's it's been helpful. Mm. Um, so that one seems kind of...
0: So what about stances?
1: Okay, so the stances uh, is something I just recently started looking into. So there are three stances, three groups. The aggressive stance, the withdrawing stance, and the dependent stance. Um, the aggressive stance are the threes, sevens, and eights. Withdrawing are the four fives and nines, and the dependents are the one, two, and sixes. And when we briefly touched on them, what I said is what's different is the aggressive stance. What, Why a three is aggressive, a seven is aggressive, and an eight is aggressive is completely different motivators. Yeah. Um, But I did just recently hear Ian describing these. He was interviewing actually Amy Grant. She was trying to figure out her number... On okay. the podcast. On the podcast. Yeah. Wow. And she was between a three and a nine. Hmm. And in the end, she landed on... She's a nine. Hmm. Um, but the stances helped her because she did not relate to the aggressive, aggressive stance. Okay. Um, so Ian was saying he often introduces the stances to help people clarify.
0: Okay. So... Interesting. So the stances help maybe if you're struggling to find out what your number is, you might look into the stances and say, oh man, I definitely tend to withdraw in conflict or I definitely Mm -hmm. tend like withdrawing is my, you know, I do premarital counseling and one of the things is we have like some, some conflict, like we ask questions like, are you the type when conflict happens that you shut down? Are you the type when conflict yes. happens that you literally drive away and got to leave? Like you can't stay in the room with the person. You got to like, you're the one who speeds off in the car when conflict happens. Yes. Or are you the type who's like, I'm all in. Exactly. We're solving this today. Yes. Like yeah. and, and so like we talk about that more from the standpoint of like, you need to know that about yourself. Absolutely. And you need to know what your partner, yes. yep. um, oh, yeah. how your partner responds to conflict. Because yeah. if you know that. Um, we even talk about the idea of like, it can be helpful to have a code word that whenever someone says, whenever someone says, whatever that code word is, we have to take a five minute break, but we don't get a withdrawal from it, but we get a five minute break to cool down. Um, so the withdrawal person doesn't get what they want, but the aggressor doesn't get to just go all in without any, without, you know, any moment to kind of pause and think and consider. And so like trying to find a healthy middle ground when you have two people who maybe would respond to conflict differently. So if you're between two numbers and you know those things about yourself already, maybe you've discovered that through conflict or any number of other things, you can be like, okay. I'm between these two numbers, but I'm definitely more the type who's going to withdraw.
1: Absolutely. So now
0: I know that's actually probably yeah. more likely to be my number. Okay.
1: Yep. Uh, I could... I did just fine. So... Yeah, go ahead. Suzanne Stabile, another Enneagram expert teacher. So many links in this just, podcast. No, it's okay. It's she, good. She was personally uh, mentored in the Enneagram... By Father Richard War, and she mentored Ian.
2: <laughs> so okay. actually, wow. Ian
1: and Susan Stabile are actually co-authors of *The Road Back to You*. Okay. When they both talk about the book, they both will say my book, but I mean they are co-authors. Gotcha. Um, on her Instagram, like I, do you, I could I could read to you brief a very brief description of the aggressive stance. Yeah, go ahead. Since that's what you are and that's what I am,
2: <laughs> but it says um,
1: just as some a little more definition aggressive stance threes sevens and eights you reframe reality to make it be what you want it to be (laughs) but the only reality you're reframing is your own and you and you end up fooling only yourself if you aren't self-reflective at all you can end up in situations where you don't even know what happened and you blindly keep moving forward because that is where your focus is the future one of the biggest struggles for the stan- for this stance is that a successful three, seven, or eight usually really likes their number and how they operate in the world. But that leads to <laughs> ignoring the things about their personalities that are not so lovely or likable. And those are the things that will cause you trouble. Mm. But because you are so aggressive and you move so quickly, you're not even aware that there is trouble. So, her point is slow down, take some time, please. Um,
0: so, can you read like the first sentence of that again, or the first yeah. couple sentences? Because there was something that really stood yeah. out to me.
1: You, three sevens and eights, you reframe reality to make it be what you want it to be. But the only reality you're reframing is actually your own, and you end up fooling only yourself. If you aren't self-reflective at all, you mm. can end up in situations where you don't even know what happened.
0: Yeah, stop there. Okay, so <laughs> that's really helpful for me. 20-year-old Justin or 25-year-old Justin... Which,
1: by the way, almost every Enneagram teacher that I've listened to has said, when you're trying to type yourself, think about 20-year-old so-and-so. So funny you say Oh, that.
0: this is great. I forgot then, to mention Because that. I'm definitely <laughs> a challenger. <laughs> 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 so 20- to 25-year-old Justin would leave a meeting thinking, oh, that went really well.
1: <laughs> uh, yes.
0: <laughs> Find out later. That did not go so well. <laughs> what happened? What in the world? Yes. Hold on. So, that like, I, my, sense. I, and, and I've often chalked that up to, like, emotional intelligence, but now I'm realizing, like, so much of that is actually the story I tell myself, too. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not necessarily a lack yeah. of reading people's emotions or knowing things, but it's more... um this the story i would tell myself you've mm-hmm. got this you're, yeah you're you're it's it's moving forward you're going forward we're going we're all together on this going forward yeah. and then it's like holy crap we're not together anymore like why aren't we together yeah. anymore i thought we were going forward together well
2: yeah
0: um because i do think that eight while they're not afraid of bullies they can quickly become the bully mm-hmm. like yeah. i hate to say it like that but like you can quickly Absolutely. start like like telling people like this is where we're going this is what we're doing yeah. and this is the only way to do it and there's no other way like yeah. and 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 definitely. um <laughs> and and hey let yeah. me say this though like like uh, when you read, I mean, and I've read a lot on Martin Luther King Jr., one of my, you know, heroes. amazing like heroes for sure. Yeah. And I, even coming to know my Enneagram number, there's probably a lot of ways that I, you know, identify with some of his impulses and sure. the ways in which he yeah. he he went about things where I'm like, yeah, that connects with me in a different way than some other people who maybe are a little more like slow to champion change. Like, does that make sense? Like, I'm like, oh, why are we waiting? Like, yes, totally. <laughs> And so, so, but like, you, you difference. really see like his conviction to do things certain ways. And like, there were times where like h- trusted leaders around him were like, no, Martin, we got to go slower. Like, yeah. we got to slow down. We're going too fast. And he was like, nope, not going to happen. And just would do it. And like, yeah. and, at times that bully mentality while it was a bully mentality is actually some of the things we really celebrate about his story. So like, it's not, not yeah. bully in a way of like trying to harm people, mm-hmm. but bully in a way of like, I have a vision for where we're going and we're going that way. There's, I can't, yeah. I can't sacrifice yeah. that direction. I can't sacrifice right. how we get there. We got to go. We got to go now. There's no waiting. Like yeah. I'm not staying in the cave. You guys got to stay here. Yeah. I guess you got to stay. I got to yeah. go. And, and, yeah. and, 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 it's just interesting to, 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 to read back some of the history of like some of the people that were on his side, all about what Mm -hmm. he was championing, but had different tactics and how to get there. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, and, and, and how that, that would be challenged. Um, but even, even more, one of the things that's been helpful for me is now when I am in meetings, um, you know, we have uh, Pastor Allie's on staff too. And so like sometimes after meetings, I'll talk to Pastor Allie about how that meeting went Mm -hmm. to try to get her perspective. And I don't know her Enneagram number, but I'll I'll talk about like, so how did you think that went or what's your takeaway from that meeting or whatever. And like, I might feel some type of way just initially before I process Mm -hmm. it. But then immediately when I'm processing with her after a meeting, maybe I can already start to see, okay, I'm telling myself a story already because Allie's processing this differently. And I guess what I'm saying is like, I'm far more quick to become aware that I have, I don't, maybe this is too aggressive to even say, but like I have an ability to lie to myself about mm-hmm. what I experience and I need confirmation from other people of, did they experience it that way? So like even last year I was in a very stressful meeting that, um, I felt, we'll, we'll just say there was a meeting I was, I felt very attacked in the meeting, okay. like very, I got very defensive in the meeting because it became very, I and mean, it was a long meeting and I felt that way. Right. Yeah. So as soon as I left the meeting, I had that feeling and that was the narrative I told myself. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: And then, um, there, and the two other people in the meeting
2: mm-hmm.
0: felt the same way. And I gave myself permission to feel that way. Then I was mm-hmm. like, okay, yes, yeah. that happened the way you told yourself it happened. Mm-hmm. But there was a period of time where I was like, until I get a chance to dialogue with these people post this meeting, I'm going to be careful to lean into that emotion. Whereas like 20 year old Justin would have been like been posting like... on Facebook already. Like, like you know, I'm, I mean, I hate to say yes. it that way, but like, yep. like, like I would have just went all in on that. Whereas like yeah. now I'm a little more like, Oh, was I just like over emotional in that me? Like I'm willing to receive yeah. the fact that I may have, um, internalized a feeling of someone being against me when I really mean, they have questions. that speaks
1: to your health and, and, and work that you've done and, um, yeah, but so I have I
0: haven't done much of that with the Enneagram, which I think that's right. what I really like about the Enneagram is it like that gives me an ability to have There's another to do. well another lens to, to <laughs> yes. like to, to reveal some things. of the shortcomings mm-hmm. or some of the the the, the spaces in which yeah. I can grow. So yeah, that, that that's awesome though to think of it to think of it that way. Like to
1: um, I'm sure you know Don Miller.
0: Yeah, yeah, he, of course.
1: he's a big Enneagram fan, and he recently he had what's his number. Ian um, he's a three, he's a three, he's a diehard three. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, he had Ian on so his podcast Ian,
1: or? he had, Ian had him and he had Ian and on the, uh, on typology, which is Ian Cron's podcast. They talked a lot about the stories we tell ourselves. And,
0: mm. um, well, the other thing about that is Donald Miller's whole idea about, story. Exactly. I mean, and if you haven't yeah. read the book story brand, like that's yeah. a great book. And like,
1: so on his, um, on Donald Miller's website, he, he really uses the Enneagram in, um, his business mm-hmm. and he has a great PDF about um, how to lead each number on the Enneagram on your team, mm. if you are a leader." But I even thought as a co- I'm part of a team, so I have coworkers, I'm not the leader. Uh, I thought that piece, that PDF, was super helpful, specifically in the work context, in a team context. So there's- Could you
0: argue that organizations have an Enneagram number?
1: Um, I didn't but uh, lots I'm, of Enneagram experts do. Well I more
0: that. I more think you, you could, couldn't you? Like oh, I mean do. almost from yeah. a standpoint of like an organization in itself has its own personality or its own story it tells itself or its Absolutely. own values that drive yes. it. And I would say yeah. one of the interesting things about the bridge is the bridge is a challenger <laughs> in a lot of ways. Like, and I'm not trying to like force that on yeah. it, but like, I, I would say yeah. like, if you look at the history of the bridge, there was a lot being challenged at the inception mm-hmm. of, yeah. of the bridge. And, that was like pre you. Uh, oh, uh, well, it, it was pre me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I'm not trying to like fit myself into the story. Exactly. I'm trying to say yeah. like, I, I I see that. And I'm like, interesting because like, I think challengers would probably be drawn to organizations that are going to challenge. Absolutely. Whereas, Absolutely. Um, helpers are going to be drawn to organizations, organizations that, that help crap. everybody. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and, and, and
1: threes are, you know, so. going to be out there, um, doing things that just, I mean, like Gary V. I don't know his Enneagram, name, Gary but v. I am just guessing.
0: Gary Vee's Guess gotta be three.
1: I could be You're saying a three? I saying a three? Uh, well,
0: maybe, I, Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, I man. heard him, he, dude. He's he's all over the place though. Like if you follow <laughs> Gary V's Instagram, it's a fun follow. Yeah, um,
1: it's great. There's uh, lots of things to think about.
0: He's also a challenger because he's challenging a lot of the status quo. He does, and, but he's also a performer. But achiever. I could also say he's an enthusiast because he's so enthusiastic about everything he says. Man, I'm just happy. I'm pumped to be alive. Yeah, like, I'm he's just... <laughs> but yeah, so but performer, sure. Yeah. yeah, I could see that too. Um, that's
1: interesting. Why was I... Why I were you... You were going to... Sorry. That, um, I apologize. No, you're I okay. I interrupted you was, with yeah.
0: the uh, Gary V. That's okay. Uh, you, you said Gary yeah. V. I had yeah. To, I we,
1: don't remember we, why, but... But I will say this. Like, uh, Jen Hatmaker was on Ian's podcast. Mm-hmm. She is a three. Okay. But he... Um, he really encouraged her to check out social eights because he was like, I don't know, Jed, you do possess a lot of those qualities in the end. Cause she's a big Enneagram fan. She really does believe she, she is an, a three. Okay. Um, but, uh, it was an interesting conversation to hear because I learned a lot more about eights and, uh, social eights in hearing that discussion. Cause she, um, is a challenger <laughs> and mm. and does have such a heart for uh, the marginalized and those yeah. that are being oppressed. So anyway, I it's mean, Jen super Hat- interesting stuff. Yeah,
0: Jen Hatmaker definitely, I would have guessed. I would have probably guessed eight.
1: Yeah, but she says hard, wired. I read a lot of her and listen to her podcast. Um, she has always been very driven by getting the gold stars, achieving the... Um, you know whatever achievement there is, and
0: well, um, let me say this: I would have guessed my wing would have been a three, more from the standpoint of like I have those same tendencies. Yeah, let me look
1: where. Uh, so the stress and the I don't have those memorized. Yeah, so so eight.
0: And this isn't all about me, but we're making yeah, it no. all about me, which I love. <laughs> it can be all about me. And if you're an eight, you're really like, oh, this is really helpful. But if you're any other number, this isn't really helpful.
1: Actually, yeah. Actually, for the stress and the health.
0: Yeah, tell me about that.
1: The eight, it doesn't go to a three.
0: What does it go to? Um,
1: In health, an eight goes to the higher side of two, helper.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. As a pastor, you're helping people.
1: Right. In stress, yeah, I've heard a lot of people say, um, because a lot of people on Ian's podcasts are in the Christian, it's not exclusively Christian, but sure, a lot of the people who speak are, and a lot of pastors they say are twos. Um, eights, unhealthy eights go to the lower side of five. Um, Mm,
0: investigator, huh?
1: Yeah, which what's the lower
0: side of five? What, like, what, what, what would that be described as? I'm just
1: yeah, uh, I don't have that yeah. off the top of my head, but um, the five fears are annihilation, being ignorant, being invaded, being incapable, not mm. existing, um, having obligation placed on them.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: their core desire is to be capable and competent. So, probably the lower side of that is like really. Mm. feeling
0: feeling um, incompetent yeah. feeling like you uh yeah yeah you don't know what you're doing i mean yeah. for
1: for you because 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 we're your good friend we've wandered forever um, <laughs> and we, we have at times we've been like he could be a four he could be a three um, yeah. it goes back to the fact that we all have we're all complex, beautiful. Yeah, there's a individual. spectrum here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the number part is just where you're dominant and where a lot of those where that shadow side has most taken root. hmm Um, so yeah, so you could still be an eight that's an achiever and performer. Yeah, yeah, know, definitely. No, 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 Yeah, no.
0: yeah and I so, would say like my biggest fear is like like if I if one of the fears I've had to come to grips with is So a fear of what other people think of me Mm -hmm. is a big fear. Like that's, that's probably driven me to like not pursue things that I would have pursued or not, um, or just a caution, I -hmm. guess, to be like, oh, I'm afraid what that person's going to think. Whereas like, I think one of the things I've been trying to shed probably in my thirties the most is like just l- caring less about what other people think about sure. me, like not in an unhealthy way of like, I don't care what you think, right. but in a healthy way of like, I can't let what someone thinks about me, mm-hmm. especially if I'm not in a relationship with them, which I did care a lot about what people thought about me that I'm not in a relationship with. Yeah. Um, I can't let that, limit me from exploring an idea mm-hmm. um, exploring an artistic expression right. I mean there were things that took me a long time to get comfortable with um, even in music and playing and like putting mm-hmm. yourself out there um, that that you're like oh well, I'm not sure how people are gonna think about that like you know mm-hmm. and everybody has a certain level of that but I guess like yeah. I would say mine was unhealthy the other fear is um, that, like, and I'm really being vulnerable here, but like um, that people are only going to be loyal with me until a certain point.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. And part of that comes from experience. I've experienced some of that, but then part of it is like loyalty is really an emotion that's like important to me in a different way than maybe some. So like this is where the backstory becomes important. And I think Mm -hmm. uh, some of our Enneagram, uh, I guess, traits might also reveal a little bit about our backstory. So oh, like, yeah. so yeah. I've never met my biological father. Mm-hmm. So some of the story I've told myself about loyalty when the story I've been told about my biological father is that my mom got pregnant and he kind of ditched, mm-hmm. right? Um, becomes like... Whether that's, and I would say it's largely subconscious, but I can Mm -hmm. trace a lot Mm -hmm. back to it of like, wow, okay, I can see I overreacted in that moment because loyalty is so important to me. Yeah,
1: Um, because you're not going to be like that.
0: Cause I'm not going to be like that because or because I don't want to be attached to people who are like that, who mm-hmm. cut and run when it gets hard. Like, mm-hmm. does that make sense? So yeah. like as a challenger, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm challenging and things are getting hard and we're just mm-hmm. going to, you know, suck it up and it's hard and that's part of life. Like, you know, like, like and, yeah. and, and so like when someone else who, who maybe is like, Oh, but I'm an enthusiast and this is really hard and I don't like hard things. And, I want, and right. I'm like, I'm like, get away from me. like right. I don't exactly. want anything to do with you. Like, yeah. because for me, I'm attaching that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm divorcing that from the reality of the situation mm-hmm. and saying this person is just a person that's going to fail you. Like this person back here failed. You yeah. see what I'm saying? So like, mm-hmm. I think I, I share that not to like. You know, more to say. I think some of our own history uh, really informs some of the negative fears that we have. I mean, it, that, that, that's obvious. That's psychology in general. But no, but
1: that's a that's a big enneagram teaching. Yes, um, and they talk about it as our childhood wound. Yes, uh, Chris that's a great one. Yeah. in the Sacred Enneagram, really goes more into that. That's um, a big part of his enneagram. Introduction. Okay. Um, what Who, what I was like, his name again? So he is Chris Chris Hewarts. And um, you can find him on Instagram. All right, that's find fine. Him. Yeah. But it, his book's The Sacred Enneagram, and it's spelled H E U E R T Z. Okay. And he's an interesting guy. He was mentored by Mother Teresa.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah.
1: He's one of those guys. I think I mentioned <laughs> to you, like, yeah, yeah, you said that's so awesome. was Shane Yeah, Yeah. Um, so, and he, Chris and his wife have. Um, a place that's similar to like what Richard Rohr's is. Okay. So like, a center that's contemplation and action. He's... Okay. Um, Chris really focuses on the Enneagram from the spiritual angle and believes the work that we do once we have this knowledge, these different layers and more and more knowledge about ourselves is to use um, silence solitude, and what is the other? Rest? Silence, solitude, and, uh,
0: it's okay.
1: Sorry. There's three, but contemplative practices. Sure. Um, stillness,
0: stillness. Okay. that's
1: actually what my, Oh, I was going to
0: say that's the, stillness. that's the one you would struggle yes. with. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah.
1: Totally. Um, and I, I, and the truth is, uh, I don't remember the other numbers where they all fall like triad wise for, For those, solitude, stillness, and... um,
0: Solitude, silence. Silence, Silence. yeah. Yeah.
1: But for me, actually, I've been like... The practice of silence is very helpful. Because Mm. when it's silent is when I can't avoid the pain. Mm. (laughs) Because it's very easy to not be silent and just avoid. Yeah, Um, Stillness, obviously, to stay. Mm. And then for me, actually, all three have been very helpful. Because solitude, I would prefer... Part of it is who I uniquely am, but um, absolutely most of my life, always with people. So solitude has forced me. And truth be told, in my job, because I'm I'm not solitude all the time. I'm with people, but in between, I'm in my car. Yeah. And um, I've had a couple years now of a lot more alone time than I had in the past. <laughs> yeah. And it's where my greatest growth has been because it's been quiet and still mm. and alone. And um and those are the places I've been able to actually like yeah. enter into the pain and enter into the hard things. And mm. uh so so I love Chris Hurtz. He's he's really great about that. But he talks a lot about our childhood wound that sort of um does force us, or, or not force us, but um kind of spur on this gravitation to to these different types. What I love about him. Is that he he points out, like you gave an example that is a very real wound and yeah. and happened in reality. Yeah. And um can be very traumatic. He explains that a lot of us can have perceived wounds mm. that did not actually necessarily they weren't a that a, was a real a story
0: we told ourselves a, totally. about our, about a situation yeah. that might not be fully. It's how in we reality. perceived it. It yeah.
1: happened and it wasn't necessarily abusive traumatic. Mm-hmm. by definition, mm-hmm. but to us, it was. yeah. Um, and that has been really helpful for me, um, looking back at my childhood and looking back at why I have these certain tendencies. And in my case, perceived wound has been really helpful.
0: To well, and I would even say like, as a parent like I can see perceived wounds that my kids have had in that like and not in like a like oh man here's my kid going again saying that this is terrible or whatever but like even like a kid being part of a meeting or something and like seeing something noticing something and like overreacting to it like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh that means this that and the other thing right I've had that happen and like my kids come to me like oh well what about this and I'm like that's not even that's not even happening like that's not yeah. that's literally like 20 moves down the road if every move is a negative move like you yeah. know what I mean like that's yeah. not or, yeah. or like Brittany and I'll be having a conversation stop fighting like yes. are you gonna are you get gonna a get divorce I've, like heard, and and I've I've, I've 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 our kids have asked us that so and it's have, like yeah, we're not thing. even fighting right now <laughs> we're literally having a conversation about right. where we're going to dinner so like you know like <laughs> yeah, this yeah. isn't a big like we're yeah. We're emotional about whether it's sushi <laughs> or Red Robin tonight. Like, I don't know. Like, what's the, like, like, well, Dumb. just like this isn't yeah, of course we would be emotional about this decision. That like, why sushi. wouldn't we? Like, and, but like, but like for them, they might've just heard earlier in the day mm-hmm. that their par- their uh-huh. friends' parents are getting divorced. And so Absolutely. their friends' parents are getting divorced. Absolutely. And the moment they see a conflict in any way, they're now attaching uh, that reality that they that they're hearing about, about their friends to their parents or something. And, and so like there's oftentimes where I'm sitting here like, that's not something you have to worry about, nor is it something that's happening. That's not reality. And like, and, and so I can see how a child that might not feel like they can approach their parents or approach Mm -hmm. their family with some of that information or just choose not to, maybe their parents are very approachable, but they just choose not to, um, might tell themselves a story that they keep telling themselves and keep telling themselves. And now it's, now they're an adult mm-hmm. and they have this narrative that isn't yep. necessarily rooted in reality, but it is a fear that they've held on to for so long yeah. that now they've got a lot of processing yep. to do. Which
1: this is another example where it's just one tool, but that language of perceived, um, wound.
0: Perceived childhood wound. Right? childhood yeah. Wound. Yeah.
1: For me, in my understanding of life, it was really helpful. Mm. Um, and Back to, even though we've gone over our time limit. um, No, you're fine. The Enneagram practically, like for myself and my husband, who are two very, all types are different, but Mm -hmm. we're very different types. um, It really, we say over and over again, the Enneagram has given us language to things Mm -hmm. that we were experiencing, sometimes didn't know at all, sometimes did, but did not have the language. But Mm. the language often that we've found in in Enneagram world has just been like it has been like someone read our mail and it's like yes that explains it. That explains it. Yeah. Um so there's so me- there's so much as we've kind of touched on as far as language because there's yeah. there's types, there's subtypes, there's stances, um wings.
0: Yeah. Um one of the things I think is great about the Enneagram when you think relationally is that Therapy is pretty expensive, or you know, Mm -hmm. it it can be. Getting counseling can be very expensive.
2: Yeah.
0: And I'm not in any way saying, oh, the Enneagram can be your substitute to counseling. Like, I I think counseling and having a guide is really important and really Mm -hmm. helpful. Yeah. But one of the things that counseling, one of the ways that couples often enter into counseling is. She needs to be fixed or he (laughs) needs to be fixed. Um, Absolutely. um, But there's often not an ownership of your piece of the pie or what Mm -hmm. you're bringing to the table that might be contributing to the conflict or contributing to the reality. What I love about the Enneagram and especially if someone is maybe feeling a stress in the relationship or feeling like they're in crisis Mm -hmm. is that as you dive into the Enneagram, you get the opportunity to begin to say, okay, where are my faults?
1: Absolutely.
0: It starts with me owning Mm -hmm. my reality and, and, and what I bring to the table. That's not to say that your partner doesn't have more pieces of the pie to own. I'm not, I I don't know your situation, but it is to say, um, there's almost certainly something that you need to own.
2: Absolutely. And,
0: and, um, and it is a way of introduction into inventory and, mm-hmm. and, and like really yeah.
1: self-awareness. taking that self awareness
0: mm-hmm. and seriously. And, and, um, and it can contribute a lot to a healthier you, which is ultimately going to be a healthier relationship with Absolutely. the people that you're in relationship with. And so yep. it is a tool, like Ryan mm-hmm. says, it's a tool. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I do think it's a tool that ultimately helps us know ourselves better, but Mm-hmm. Um, as we journey through it, uh, either with our partner or with our friend or with a family member or whatever,
1: coworkers, workers
0: yeah. it can, it can better our relationships with them yeah. because we, we now understand each other in a different way. Yep. And, uh,
1: actually on that note, yeah, Ian and Susan, uh, Suzanne end their book with a Thomas Merton quote that you may or may not have heard. Cause it's a great one. Okay. Uh, so this is Thomas Merton. It says, the beginning of love is the will to let those we love be perfectly themselves. Mm. The resolution not to twist them to fit our own image. If in loving them, we do not love what they are, but only their potential likeness to ourselves, then we do not love them.
0: Mm. We
1: only love the reflection of ourselves that we find in them. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That's heavy. That's a great one.
0: That's a great quote.
1: And that is, in my experience, um, what the Enneagram has helped me. First of all, it's helped me learn to do that to myself. (laughs) Hmm. To learn. To love yourself. To learn to love myself and to learn to um, not just love what I think I want to be and who I've told myself I am, especially someone who, you know, has tended not to want to face reality. So, like, mm. so my stories, um, yeah, that's a whole other story. But learning to love myself as I am and yeah. and and uh, who I am, and not just this reflection of well, I want to be this and I want to be that. And then definitely in my relationships, learning that um, the people that I love that they are themselves and they they are unique and they see the world differently, they experience the world differently, and that I need to to validate that and give that space and not be like, but you need to be like me, especially Erin.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. Uh,
1: so I, I love that quote and you know Thomas Martin.
0: That's a great place to end up. Yeah, like, so. I think so too. Annette, thank you for being on.
1: My pleasure. <laughs>
0: Another episode down, I want to thank Annette Moran for being with me again and for sharing with us her love for the Enneagram and encouraging us to each grow in our understanding of ourselves and our relationships. It was great to have you with me today on Beyond Boundaries. If you want to learn more about me or find the show notes for this episode or watch some cool videos from Palestine and Israel, Go to PastorJustinDouglas.com. You can interact there with feedback, comments, and questions. Or you can reach out via Instagram where you can see a bunch of different pictures of my trip as well. And that's at Douglas. Please consider subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing. It really does make a difference. May you go and live a life that is beyond boundaries, giving others love, exploring new ideas, and championing belonging.